With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Good morning, and we got some breaking news for you as we start off here. Wednesday edition, Outkick the Coverage, live from Atlanta. Next door to CNN, I invited my girl, Brooke Baldwin, on the show yesterday on Twitter. She kicked me off her show on CNN for saying I like the First Amendment and boobs. My mom said I should be a Southern gentleman and invite her on. I did. She hasn't responded. We're live here. Geico Outkick Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Major League Baseball game. Lots of home runs. The American League wins for the sixth straight season. But this morning, as many of you are waking up, major news that has been been broken while you slept probably. The Toronto Raptors and the San Antonio Spurs are finalizing Kawhi Leonard – being traded for DeMar DeRozan. I'm reading from Adrian Wojnarowski uh, and Chris Haynes at ESPN. Uh, and Here's the opening paragraph. The Toronto Raptors are finalizing a deal to acquire San Antonio Spur Kawhi Leonard in a trade package that includes all-star DeMar DeRozan. Uh, an agreement in principle could be reached as soon as Wednesday. And this story went up at 5.43 a.m. Eastern. So this story went up just 15 minutes ago on uh, ESPN's uh, website, and so many of you are waking up. I mean, this is literally hot off the presses, although I guess it's not literally hot off the presses since nothing actually comes off the presses anymore uh, in terms of breaking news. Leonard and DeRozan, both aware that an agreement could be imminent, neither is expressing enthusiasm for the deal. Toronto and San Antonio have been talking about the trade for two weeks, and several incarnations of packages have been discussed Uh, Sources close to DeRozan told ESPN's Chris Haynes DeRozan met with Toronto Brass in Las Vegas during Summer League and was told he would not be traded. Uh, Raptors president of basketball operations taking a significant risk in pursuing the trade. Uh, He will make the deal with the determination that he can sell Leonard on re-signing with the Raptors next summer in free agency. Toronto would be able to offer Leonard a five-year, $190 million contract next summer. If he left the Raptors, he could sign a four-year, $141 million deal 
Uh, he has been, uh, so far, Kawhi obviously has been clear that he plans to sign with the Lakers in free agency. Next summer, DeRozan has three years and $83 million left on his contract. So that is uh, the entire article as I just read it from uh, Adrian Rojnarowski's story went up about 20 minutes ago. Now, what is intriguing about this story, and obviously we'll continue to follow it here from Atlanta. We've got a loaded show for you, lots of great guests. What's intriguing about this story in general is I would say we were ahead of the curve and we were way ahead of the NBA media curve because the offshores have had uh, Toronto as the favorite to land Kawhi Leonard for a couple of weeks, I think. Um, In fact, uh, I remember tweeting out uh, certainly two weeks ago that Kawhi Leonard had become a massive favorite to go to the Raptors. Now that has heated and cooled off in multiple different directions as the trade talks have continued. But when Woj drops a uh, bomb like this in the middle of the night and then posts this story, like I said, at 5.45 a.m. Eastern so that many of you are waking up across the country or about to go to bed on the West Coast with this news, um, this would be the final, I would say, uh, expected uh, major news story of the offseason for the NBA. It would also kind of fly in the face of most of the movement that has taken place in the NBA and that you would have a star in the uh, Western Conference being shipped to the Eastern Conference. It's also a sign that Toronto has given up on the DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry package and that they have decided we have to do whatever it takes to be able to, to make a move in the East. And it's a huge roll of the dice. I mean, this is Paul George all over again. Uh, remember last year, Paul George was saying, hey, if I want to be traded, I'm going to go to the Lakers. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to sign an extension with you, Indiana Pacers. He gets traded to Oklahoma City. Everybody talks about, man, Oklahoma City's making a one-year run. They're renting him for one year, and then he's going to go to the Lakers. And instead, he decides to sign a long-term deal, uh, Paul George does, to stay in Oklahoma City. So this is the Toronto Raptors rolling the dice and saying, we believe we can get Kawhi Leonard to uh, to sign a five-year max extension for us here, and we think we have a chance to replace DeMar DeRozan with a player who is better. So this is a, uh, a major risk if it goes through. Again, breaking news, uh, expectation out there now that it could be finalized today that Kawhi Leonard could go to the Toronto Raptors. This now, let's talk about Greg Popovich and the Spurs. You talk about just making a decision that you are not going to allow a player to dictate anything to you. Kawhi Leonard comes out and says, hey, I want to go to L.A., and I want to go to L.A. now, and I'm not going to play for you. And Greg Popovich and the Spurs are like, oh, you want to go to L.A.? How about we send you to Canada instead? I'm sure that right now the Raptors are like, hey, look, Toronto is the L.A. of Canada. And you know what the truth is? No, it ain't. That's Vancouver. They don't have an NBA team. So I uh, I love everything about this. Everybody's like, man, NBA players have so much power. Kawhi Leonard's just telling the Spurs, hey, you gotta you got to treat me this way. And then Popovich, old school Greg Popovich, is like, where is the worst place in the world that we could send Kawhi Leonard to play basketball? And uh, I, I, look, I understand we got people listening in Toronto. It's a great city. Nobody in America wants to go to Toronto. There's nobody in the NBA who's like, you know what I want to do? I want to go to Canada and pay 64% tax rate or whatever the hell it is. I want my paycheck to be in Canadian dollars, and I want to go there for nine months, and nobody's going to pay attention to me, and then we're going to lose in the first round or the second round of the playoffs, and then my season's going to be over. Nobody wants to go there. Now, Kawhi Leonard still has the ultimate trump card here 
in that he can get traded to Toronto, they can give up DeMar DeRozan, and then he can decide to walk and go sign with the Lakers anyway. I think the Lakers have played this well. There's no reason to give up any of their good young talent to get Kawhi Leonard if he's willing to walk into the Lakers uh, site unseen without you know without ha- them having to give up anything. The risk here is that what I would say is a substantial risk for the Lakers is if Kawhi Leonard suddenly decides he loves Toronto, if they woo and seduce him like happened in Oklahoma City with Paul George, then then the Lakers and LeBron James are sitting around when free agency starts next year. And they might get Paul George there too. Kawhi doesn't come. Who are the real assets that they could go and grab? I mean, maybe you can make a run at Klay Thompson. You can make a run at trying to break up the Warriors with Kevin Durant. But this is a Laker team otherwise that's going to be, you know, third or fourth best in the Western Conference. And Kawhi Leonard is a big part of their future. So this is a story that I would think if you are an NBA fan, if you're a LeBron James fan, if you are. Uh, just intrigued in general with star players moving around uh, at, at an exorbitant rate of speed. It's the latest head-spinning move that could come in the NBA. Again, breaking news for all of you waking up across the country and starting off your morning with us. Uh, a, about 20 minutes ago, uh, ESPN.com through Adrian Wojnarowski reporting something that we have talked about on this show for a couple of weeks because we pay attention to the offshore odds, and that is the possibility of Kawhi Leonard to the Raptors. Now, we are scheduled to be joined as part of this uh, breaking news story. I thought it was fascinating. The offshores basically broke this news story. And for those of you out there saying, well, I don't know what you mean by offshores, it means uh, you know the offshore gambling sites a lot of times have these bets up, these props where you can wager on where a player is going to spend his next year. And the Raptors became a prohibitive favorite for Kawhi Leonard a couple of weeks ago, and now why that story exists has finally gone public. And so uh, a lot of times when these stories leak, it's basically a done deal. So we will continue to monitor this throughout the show. Again, I am live in uh, in Atlanta for SEC Media Day's Wednesday edition. we got a lot of coaches coming uh, into, into Atlanta to discuss uh, the world of football, but the NBA and Major League Baseball, which I'll get to in a minute, is now officially at the top of the docket. This morning, uh, down in Atlanta, Mississippi State, Tennessee, uh, Alabama, and Missouri, Nick Saban returning to the uh, to Atlanta, the scene of his national championship that he won back in January. So all of that will be taking place. I'd encourage you guys to, uh, to stay tuned. Uh, we could have a wild ride here this morning on the show. Let me give you a roadmap of where we're headed. Up next, we're going to talk with uh, John Campbell from uh, Odd Shark, and we are going to break down this uh, Kawhi Leonard news. Also, by the way, anybody even aware of this? The British Open starts tomorrow. It'll be going live uh, while we're on air tomorrow morning when we wake up. Uh, there will be a, a golf major underway. I feel like that's sneaking up on a lot of people, even though this is a relatively quiet week in the world of sports. Also, we will uh, discuss a little bit the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. In fact, for everybody out there, uh, Justin Cooper, what is the best highlight that we can give somebody from the Major League Baseball All-Star Game from last night? You are on the clock. Give them a highlight that is going to blow their mind for everybody who went to bed before this thing was decided last night. That was uh, Alex Bregman taking the lead in the 10th inning for the American League. Extra innings. How many people did did anybody – well, you guys were probably didn't even go to bed. Did you guys watch aggressively extra innings, American League and the the NL? Anybody stay – I I mean, I was in bed. I I was like – I watched a little bit of it. 
it's a major league baseball all star game. I'm like, uh, I'm not really plugged in. Roberto, you watched it. Yeah. Um, I'm not. I'm not an all star game guy. I don't pay much attention to the NBA all star game. I certainly don't pay attention to the Pro Bowl, and uh, and I'm not certainly paying attention to hockey either. Same. So I, yeah. I just I really don't care that much about it. I mean, I was more interested and more entertained by the home run derby than I was the uh, the actual major league baseball all star game. We also had some ugly tweets that surfaced. Uh, again, you know, my, my position on that's pretty straightforward. If you are signing a million, mil, millions of dollar contracts and somebody doesn't go back through every tweet that you sent when you were in high school, uh, I don't know what you're paying your agent for. Uh, you know, just go back through and scrub everything you sent. I, I give advice to high school kids all the time. When you're young and dumb and you do young and dumb things, I don't know why people don't just scrub their entire social media history when they get to be, you know, adults. Whether who it doesn't matter who you are, if you're going out there and you're searching for a job, one don't behave in an inappropriate fashion, right? I mean, that's the lesson that you would give to everybody out there and say, "Hey, don't tweet it uh, racist, sexist, uh, you know, ridiculous things that could cost you a job. Don't have those thoughts, but certainly don't tweet them." But if you did when you were 14 or 15 or 16 or 17 years old, then scrub everything that you sent when you were a minor. You know, we, we wipe clean all of the criminal record of kids that happen oftentimes before they're 18 years old so that it doesn't follow them as an adult. Why wouldn't you wipe also your social media history uh, when you get an opportunity to, when you become, quote-unquote, a famous figure? We've seen this happen over and over again. Dante DiVincenzo, uh, Josh Allen, like – the stories of what athletes have tweeted before they became superstars. It seems like they percolate up every six months, every three or four months. Somebody's in a famous spot, and somebody else goes back through their social media history and is like, hey, when this kid was 16 years old, did you see what he's tweeted? Eh. I mean, just go ahead and wipe it clean. I, I, I think it's a no-brainer. All right, up next, uh, we're going to talk to John Campbell, Odd Shark, the latest on Kawhi Leonard. Are the offshores basically shut down? Is this deal done from their perspective? He will break it down. He's also a Canadian. He'll tell us why Toronto is the greatest place on the planet, and Kawhi Leonard should be ecstatic. All that and more, John Campbell uh, at Johnny Oddshark going to join us next. I'm Clay Travis, live from Atlanta, SEC Media Days. The Geico Outkick Studios are here, and you're waking up listening to breaking news from Outkick, the coverage here on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back live from the ATL this week. I'm Clay Travis. This is the Geico Outkick Studios. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price. You're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. I'm Clay Travis. Breaking news out there surrounding Kawhi Leonard potentially being traded to the San Antonio's I'm sorry from the San Antonio Spurs to the Toronto Raptors in exchange for DeMar DeRozan and another maybe part of that package deal we bring in John Campbell we talked about this some on his segment I think last week at Johnny Oddshark on Twitter and everybody's talking about uh, the Woj bomb and uh, the Sham bomb wherever else the news is coming from really this is an offshore bomb because the first place I saw that even contemplated the idea that Kawhi Leonard might be traded to the Toronto Raptors was the offshore markets. What are they telling us right now? You're a Canadian. Are you guys going to grab Kawhi? Yeah, it sounds like it. And you're right. The first big signal that he's going to the Raptors were the odds moving and the Raptors moved all the way down to even money favorites to get him there. So it sounds like uh, Raptors are going to get him. Uh, I, I think it'll make a bit of a difference. I don't think enough to, to make any moves here in, in the East, but but I think they will be a little bit better. 
What? How do you assess, like in general, when the odds markets offshore are going to be correct and when they're not? Because I love paying attention to them because a lot of time they give you an early read on what's likely to happen. Now, the odds markets offshore are no more. You know, they can be inaccurate too, right? Uh, because, for instance, in the presidential election, they said, "Hey, Hillary Clinton's got this thing locked up and loaded." And then, obviously, I think Trump was like nine to one coming into election night. And so upsets can still happen in live kind of uh, wager events. But what I see is happen all the time. The offshores oftentimes are the canary in the coal mine letting us know, hey, something important is happening here. And then the news typically follows the offshore. How how much do you follow kind of these prediction markets in some sense of the word to see big stories like these? Yeah, I, I certainly keep an eye on them, and uh, there's no real science to it to, to tell when they're going to be right, but I think experience and just seeing a lot of these over the years, you know when there's a dramatic move that kind of signals that that, that is definitely going to happen. LeBron going to L.A. was another one. L.A. went from 25-1 to 1 to 16-1 to 1, all the way down to 5-1. to 1. And you just know after seeing these odds over the years so often that that's such a dramatic move that there must be something uh, substantial behind it. Where there's smoke, there often is indeed fire. Uh, all right, you just mentioned what it would do in the Eastern Conference. I mean, does this, what, what does this do to the Raptors' odds? I mean, I think uh, most people would say that the Celtics are the favorite, maybe the, the, uh, the 76ers' second most likely team to win. Does this kind of bump the, uh, the assuming this trade happens, and again, if you're just waking up, reports uh, breaking overnight early this morning that Kawhi Leonard may be headed to the Toronto Raptors in exchange for DeMar DeRozan. How much difference does this make in the odds market in the Eastern Conference? Does this, does this change anything substantially? I really don't think it will once the odds come back up here. I, I, I don't think it will. I think the Celtics are going to be the team to beat around 6-1 to one, uh, to win the NBA championship. I think the Raptors will be next, probably somewhere around 10-1. to one. And I'm just, I just don't think it's going to be enough to, uh, to help them get through the Celtics. Um, uh, good stuff, uh, always from John Campbell at Johnny Oddshark. All right, this is, I think, catching up on people, sneaking up on people. Uh, it certainly has snuck up on me. The British Open starts tomorrow. Uh, in fact, while we'll be on air tomorrow morning, the British Open will already be uh, underway. Uh, what are we looking at from an odds maker perspective in the uh, in the British Open, which is going to be really kind of the only major Amer- uh, American or major national sporting event, international sporting event that will be going on this week? Yeah, it's that quiet time of year where there's not much going on. And, and I love the British Open. You wake up, it's on, your action's in play as soon as you flip on the TV when you open your eyes. And we've got Dustin Johnson atop the leaderboard uh, on the odds board, 12-1 to 1 right now, with a few names behind him really closely. Justin Rose, Ricky Fowler, Roy McIlroy, all at 16-1, to 18-1. And Jordan Spieth, John Ram. Tommy Fleetwood around the 20 to 1 sort of odds there. So it's all jammed up. I think it's going to be really interesting uh, this week because there's no real strategy that I think you can point to that says this is the way you should play this golf course to win this one. So if there was ever a week that you wanted to take a flyer and go way down the board and roll the dice, uh, I, I think this is it. So I think scrambling is going to be really important. I think making those five to ten putts, uh, as always in majors, is going to be really important. But uh, I'm looking at scramblers to do well this week. 
Uh, all right, what about Major League Baseball? We just had the All-Star game that ended last night in extra innings. Uh, who? What, what are the favorites now as we come back for the, the kind of second half of the Major League Baseball season? I know the Red Sox and the Yankees are both having great seasons in the American League, the Astros putting it together again, but also teams like the Dodgers getting hot as we go into, uh, into the break. Uh, what uh, are the odds looking like for who is likely to win the World Series? The Red Sox are the World Series favorites now, and it kind of took long enough. They, they've won 19 of the last 22 games after a bit of a slow June. They're a little better than 4-1, to one, plus 370 now to win. But just a week ago, they were 8-1, to one, so there was still really good value out there. They, they finally took over as the faves from the Yankees, who are now 4-1. to one. The Astros are right behind at 4-1. to one. I think they're going to see a lot of action. Uh, great pitching team. Top ML, top ERA in, in Major League Baseball and third in average, so they'll be really good. I think the biggest surprises have been the Braves. They went from fifty to one at the start of the season. They're now eight uh, eight to one. And uh, another one I think uh, huge surprise here was uh, was the Indians. They were eighteen to one, and they're now plus uh, or they're plus seven fifty. Now they're eighteen to one, and and leading the division. That one surprises me quite a bit. We talked um, a lot in the off season uh, about what Johnny Manziel might be able to do in the CFL, uh, and you are in Canada. We're talking to John Campbell at Johnny Oddshark. You're in Canada, so you are the expert on Canadian Football League as far as this show is concerned. Is he going to play? Like, what is kind of the vibe on Johnny Manziel? The story got a lot of attention that he was going to the CFL, and then it's been a wasteland basically ever since. Uh, what's the story there? What do you hear? Well, unfortunately for Manziel, uh, Jeremiah Masoli has been the, the starting quarterback for his team, the Hamilton Tiger Cats. He's been the best quarterback in the CFL this year, in my opinion. He's second in yards and, and has completely turned this team around. So I really think it's going to take an injury in order for Manziel to play here. Now, his coach, June Jones, did come out this week, almost like to sprinkle some attention on Manziel, saying that, he thinks this will be a springboard to the NFL, whether he plays or not. But it's going to take an injury. Hamilton is playing so well this year under Masoli. They're, they're 11 point favorites this week against Saskatchewan. So I would say not to expect to see Manziel this season uh, unless we see something unexpected. We're talking to John Campbell uh, as you uh, you're about to go out on a uh, two week vacation. So, uh, by the way, congratulations to you. You won't be back on the show for a couple of weeks. <laughs> Um, but uh, but as you uh, you may have heard when we started off the show, uh, Brooke Baldwin, uh, the person who kicked me off CNN for saying I like the First Amendment of boobs, I'm literally next door to CNN Studios, and yesterday my mom told me that I should be a Southern gentleman and uh, invite her on the show to uh, to hang out with uh, with me. What would you make the odds that she makes the walk over next door and actually hangs out and comes on the show? Wow, uh, like a hundred to one. A hundred to one. So you're telling me there's a chance, as uh, we learned in Dumb and Dumber. I appreciate the time, John Campbell. Uh, Thanks for coming on with us early this morning, breaking down the Kawhi Leonard uh, news, and and good luck to your Canadian. How excited as a Canadian would you be if Kawhi, uh, Kawhi Leonard comes to your country? Pretty excited. I, I think biggest star certainly since Vince Carter on the Raptors, and and uh, a lot of fun. They get a lot of attention up here, so. That would be a big move. Really excited. How would you sell Kawhi on Canada? 
because there's a lot of Americans listening right now, and they're going to hear, man, this dude wanted to go to the Lakers, and instead he got sent to the Raptors. This is the Spurs just basically saying, hey, we run this town, not you. Uh, what would you say to everybody out there to sell them on Toronto? I would say uh, poutine is delicious. I think you're really going to like it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, poutine, indeed. Uh, all right, John Campbell, thanks for getting up, and uh, we will talk to you. Enjoy that vacation. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Thanks a lot, Clay. Uh, that's John Campbell. You can follow him at Johnny Oddshark. We usually talk to him, and uh, it's a perfect time to talk to him uh, with all of the latest uh, news. And, again, if you're just waking up across the country, uh, reports breaking last night that Kawhi Leonard to the uh, to the Toronto Raptors may be happening, traded for a year, rented for a year to see whether or not the Raptors can persuade uh, uh, Kawhi to join them to a long-term extension, just like Oklahoma City Thunder did with Paul George. So that is the major breaking news. DeMar DeRozan would be sent to the San Antonio Spurs. We will continue to follow this story and see whether we get official breaking news at all as uh, as the morning continues. But certainly a lot of people uh, energized and entertained by that possibility as they are starting off uh, their mornings everywhere. All right, I'm going to be joined here live in Atlanta. I am at the uh, SEC Media Days uh, here. I'm going to be joined by Lance Taylor. A lot of times he joins us on the on the phone. He doesn't have to talk on his cell phone this morning. i got to be honest with you. He is looking rough right now. He is looking rough early this morning. Uh, he's got his Starbucks. He's pounding some caffeine. We'll see how he does, how the voice is holding up. Uh, but first, let me go ahead and bring in uh, Eddie Garcia and find out what's shaking the world of sports. Well, Clay, in addition to, of course, the uh, trade that looks like it's going down between the Spurs and Raptors, Kawhi Leonard for DeMar DeRozan, we had the annual All-Star Game in Major League Baseball last night with the American League beating the National League 8-6 to in 10 innings. We had Alex Bregman and George Springer Teammates for the Astros going back-to-back with home runs in the 10th inning, helping the AL to get the win. Bregman was named the game's MVP. In all, 10 home runs hit in this All-Star game, which is a record. In baseball news, the L.A. Dodgers reportedly are on the verge of acquiring All-Star shortstop Manny Machado from the Baltimore Orioles. Machado's 26 is a four-time All-Star, two-time Gold Glove winner. He's hit 33 or more homers in each of the last three seasons. He's got 24 at the All-Star break this year. Also, All-Star relief pitcher Josh Ader of the Milwaukee Brewers has apologized for racist and anti-gay tweets that he apparently made as a teenager, the tweets were discovered on social media during the All-Star game, and Major League Baseball did not have any immediate comment on the situation. And in the NFL, the L.A. Rams signed wide receiver Brandon Cooks to a five-year contract extension worth $80 million. This report is brought to you by True Car. Online car shopping can be confusing, but not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Now back to Clay Travis and the Geico Outkick the Coverage Studios. Good stuff, as always, there from Eddie Garcia. By the way, how surprised were you when you saw the news that Kawhi Leonard uh, might be going to the Raptors? We talked about this on the offshores, Eddie. Were you like, this c- totally seems expected, or were you blown away? I I was a little bit uh, blown away by it, yeah. I yeah. didn't. Uh, it, it makes a lot of sense for San Antonio. You know why they would like to do it on a couple of different levels, but I didn't know if they would be able to pull that off or not. And I was surprised to see DeMar DeRozan is actually older than Kawhi Leonard. I didn't know that. Yeah, what's the vibe? Let me go out to L.A. because obviously there's been Laker frenzy and everybody's been uh, obsessed with the idea that Kawhi Leonard um, would be joining LeBron James. Uh, Is there uh, Justin Cooper? By the way, Danny G., uh, who got promoted to producer of the show when Jason Martin left, he continues to be in the hospital. Um, we were trying to discuss for a few days, like, what do we do if he dies? Like, is the show cursed? Like, But I think he's going to survive. Uh, he, uh, he emailed me this morning that he's able to eat solid foods again. He had surgery. 
Um, I don't think he's going to die because that would have been really awkward. First, Jason Martin leaves, and then Danny G gets promoted and dies. I would be like, man, are we the Bermuda Triangle of Sports Talk Radio here? Um, but so far, it appears that he's going to survive and not die. He said he might be back Friday. I told him just take the rest of the week off. By the way, we're coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios where it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Uh, Roberto and uh, Justin Cooper are also out there in L.A. Uh, is the city of Los Angeles in mourning over Kawhi potentially going to the Raptors? Or is there 100% confidence that Kawhi is going to play for one year with the Raptors if this ends up happening and then join LeBron and the Lakers regardless? Well, I can tell you this, Clay, for the last... I don't know, 30 minutes or so. <laughs> Every time you bring up Kawhi, Roberto starts cursing under his breath at the board. Yeah. The future Laker franchise. Like, I'm wondering if Danny G, like, is going to wake up on all meted up and everything keep, else. He's got I his keep $500 Coop, Laker shorts. I keep telling Coop, Brandon Ingram better stay healthy this year. That's all I got to say. Better stay if, healthy this if year. If the city of Los Angeles, if Paul George is like, hey, I'm going to the Lakers, and then he's like, you know what? Psych, I'm staying at the Oklahoma City Thunder. And, yes, that, I broke out psych. And, that, and, that's, what and I'm wor- that's what I'm worried about. If Kawhi uh, decides not to come to the Lakers next year, they're not going to get anybody because Clay Thompson has already said that he's willing to take a pay cut to stay with the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, I think it has to be all uh, everything all in on Clay Thompson. If, if there's any possibility that Kawhi Leonard suddenly decides that he loves Toronto – uh, that is a potentially messy situation. You know what? Let's do. Let's go ahead and take a little bit of an early break. I got my guy Lance Taylor. He's going to join us on the final segment of hour one. So let's go ahead and take a break here, uh, live in the Geico Outkick Studios from Atlanta. I'll bring back uh, Lance Taylor. We'll break down this. We'll talk about uh, the start of uh, football season in many ways. The SEC uh, kickoff event here in Atlanta, and we'll continue to keep you updated on any breaking news surrounding the possibility of Kawhi Leonard being shipped to the Toronto Raptors. I'm Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage. Thanks for starting your Wednesday morning with us live here on Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios. Everybody's got a to-do list. Drop off the dry cleaning, pick up some milk. Here's an idea. Let's add, save hundreds of dollars on car insurance. Good thing is you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. Extra money in your pocket, it just may be the most rewarding to-do you do today. Kawhi Leonard, I'm going to the Lakers. Trade me. Greg Popovich, oh, you want to go to L.A.? Oh, that's interesting. You went public with the fact that you don't play in or buy into the Spurs way? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to send you to Toronto. That's the breaking news this morning. The expectation that Kawhi Leonard is going to be traded to the Toronto Raptors in exchange for DeMar DeRozan. LT, can you think of a swing like this where a guy's like, hey, send me to one of the best places in the United States, back home to the area of California where I'm from. I'm going to play with LeBron. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to be a Laker. And instead, you get sent to Canada. <laughs> I mean, that is, to me, an unbelievable swing. It's Greg Popovich's revenge. No, it is. It's the power of Greg Popovich. And, uh, look, it's, it's a one-year rental. And Kawhi will serve his time. I mean, the fortunate thing for Kawhi is he's going to a team that won 59 games last year. I, I, I've never been to Toronto. I hear it's like a cleaner New York City. Is that fair? Uh, I, I think that people in Canada love Toronto. I've been to Vancouver. I, I've never been to Toronto either. I've been to Montreal. Uh, I liked Montreal. I liked Vancouver. So uh, I, I can't imagine Canada's awful. I will say this. I hate to be tax guy, but you're going from a state with no state income tax in Texas, right? 
uh, where when you can make the kind of money that Kawhi Leonard does, and I'm not 100% sure about this, but I think the tax rate in Canada is 96%. So I think Kawhi Leonard's <laughs> going to go from making like $100 million a year to $48. So it doesn't seem well, it doesn't seem like a great trade to me. You know, what doesn't make a lot of sense is DeMar DeRozan is going to be part of this package. And to me, you know, Kyle Lowry's good, but I think DeMar DeRozan is probably your best option for Toronto, and he's going to be out now, and you're going to get a one-year rental with a 27-year-old who is in his prime, but I don't know how healthy Kawhi's actually going to be this year. That's still that's still an unknown. Yeah, right, and, uh, and what exactly he will decide to do, because if you're the Lakers, and I know you're an L.A. guy, if the Lakers, they already lost Paul George, right? The expectation was, okay, Oklahoma City's going to rent him for a year, and then Paul George says thanks but no thanks and decides to stay with the team that got run by the Utah Jazz and Russell Westbrook woos him, and so he re-ups, and he's going to be there for years. Imagine the Laker brand hit if Kawhi Leonard decides to go to Toronto and they somehow persuade him to stay. Then what does LeBron do? There's not a ton of great options out there. Then the Lakers really have to go into trading some of these young players and trying to put together a massive deal in order to be somewhat relevant. Well, you know, I heard you before break talk about Clay Thompson, and I think that would be option number one. Obviously, Clay's father, Michael, played for the Lakers for years, and so that seems like a natural if Clay was to actually get out of Golden State. Um, I mean, obviously you got LeBron for four years. You've got some really good young players that are under those first contracts still, guys like Brandon Ingram, and we'll see the development of Lonzo Ball. But I, th- I think if Kawhi doesn't come to the Lakers, and I think he's dead set on coming to the Lakers, but you never know what's going to happen. I mean, as a 27-year-old in life, you go to a city, you fall in love with the city, you fall in love with a girl in that city. Yep. I mean, something like that could happen. And you you're going to get know. $200 million. It's not like he's got to go to a city and make, uh, make no money. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I ultimately, though, just, just playing it forward, I think he will end up still being a Laker. I think Rob Palenka and Magic Johnson know exactly what they're doing, and I think this is the grand scheme. Look, they're going to be a relevant team this year just adding LeBron James to that roster, and I think in two years is where they really want to become a player. I invited Brooke Baldwin uh, from CNN uh, over next not door. Not happening. What would you advise her? I mean, I'm a, a, a lovable guy. Don't you think we would get along well face-to-face? Um, yeah, I think you would. I, I think she's got a persona that she um, – well, I think she's got to go with what she thinks right now, and she's she's probably not going to give you the time of day. I just don't <laughs> see it happening. Have you extended the offer, though? Oh, on Twitter. Yeah, like a true Southern gentleman. I, I went on Twitter, and I told her – my mom actually told me to do it. My mom said, hey – uh, you're next door to CNN. For people who don't know, we're broadcasting live from the Omni in downtown Atlanta, literally the Omni CNN Center, next door to where CNN broadcasts from. My mom said you should extend her an offer, so I did. No response so far. I was trying to well, you might need to take it a step further. I mean, you could send her flowers. You could be really stalker. <laughs> you could send one of these, like, dancing uh, singergrams or whatever. I don't even know if they'd let them in to CNN. Um, we are obviously here at the uh, SEC Media Days. Um What's the story here from your perspective? I mean, it's talking season, as Steve Spurrier used to say, and we are getting progressively closer to the start of the season. But to me, the question still is, can anybody legitimately give Bama a run? I think Georgia is going to take a step back. Uh, Nick Saban is going to be here at, uh, at SEC Media Days today. I imagine this will be the first time he's been in public in Atlanta since they won in overtime against Georgia. So I want to start with this. If I told you Nick Saban over under four more years as Alabama football coach, what would you say? I think four is probably the number four or five. I'll lean over 
It's amazing. I mean, I, you know, I remember when he signed his initial deal and people thought he was overpaid, which is comical when you think about that. Not only for what he's done on the field, but for what the impact he's made at the University of Alabama. Yeah, I, I mean, I, it's, I it's amazing. When he signed that deal, it would be a situation. He's going into year 12, which is incredible. I thought it would be five years. Most people did. And I said he'll win a national championship and then he'll be on to something else. I didn't know what that something else would be, probably back to the NFL. But for him to be going into year number 12 – I think he might make five more years, and for what he's been able to accomplish, five national championships in nine years, it's something I like to speak in absolutes. Um, I absolutely believe nobody will ever be able to do that with the parody in college football. I think it's the most dominant run maybe in the history of sports. People say, well, that's crazy, but think about this. Uh, Nick Saban has been number one with Alabama at some point in time in the following football seasons. 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013, 2014, 2015, 2016, 2017, and 2018 now. Yeah. He has been number one in the country. And people out there, uh, to me, if, you're, if you follow college football, every three or four years he's got to restock and reload. It's not as if he's got Tom Brady, who is one of the two or three greatest quarterbacks, if not the greatest quarterback of all time, and he's paired with Bill Belichick. And you have kind of that consistency to be able to build around the most amazing thing, I think, about that level of dominance that I just ran through with Saban, the quarterback play hasn't even been that good. I mean, if Tua Tagovailoa comes in and plays well, it's possible he's the best quarterback Saban's ever had. He's been dominant without even having very good quarterbacks. You're right. Uh, A.J. McCarron's the most decorated guy that he's had, and obviously A.J. McCarron probably will be your starting quarterback for the Buffalo Bills, but I don't think anybody would put A.J. McCarron in the elite quarterback status. Tagovailoa, based on what we saw in that second half of Georgia, has the potential to be that guy, and you know, you mentioned the accomplishment of Nick Saban. When you start to look at other great programs in college football, everyone has some, some downtime. Yes. I mean, you look at Florida last year with four wins. You look at USC and the coaches they've gone through. You look at Texas, their struggles over the years. Um, Florida State last year. I mean, all of these elite programs have down years, and Alabama under Nick Saban, it just doesn't happen. And although you're losing seven of your top nine tacklers, um, this still is going to be – when you start to look at the schedule, I just I don't know how they're not favored double digits every game, Clay. It's pretty amazing, and the odds of making the playoff are pretty outstanding. Obviously, Alabama has been in the playoff every year so far in the playoff era. So let's go away from Alabama. Who else in the SEC or who else in the nation do you think should be favored as we get set for – I mean, we're about, what, six weeks away, uh, maybe five weeks away from the official start of college football. Clemson's going to be dominant. I mean, in it's, the ACC, it's one think? of the best defensive lines we've ever seen. And, you know, Dabo Swinney, a guy that actually played at Alabama. Um, I think he'll be the next coach at Alabama. I don't think he will. You think he'll say no? Well, here's what I would ask you. Okay, so um, he's not going to make any more money at Alabama. And, look, I know home is home, and, you know, there's some people that probably can't say no to that. But he's already the greatest coach in Clemson history. He... Again, this program's not going anywhere. They've built whatever he wants. His resources are incredible right now. It's his program. I can't even imagine somebody having to follow Nick Saban because the expect it's not 10 or 11 wins. It's 12 or 13 wins. Yeah. It's so you SEC think he'll say no because he's the first call you make. If Nick Saban yeah. walked in tomorrow and said, this is my final year, the first call that they would make, the first call that Greg Byrne would make, he'd pick up his phone and he would call da- probably Dabo Direct. Yeah. And he would say, hey, this is your job. Do you want it? Yeah, and, and money's and not going to be an issue. Like, you just got to tell me million, what you we'll, want. We'll give what, you $10 million. Whatever the number is, you tell me what you want. And you think he'd say no? I, I think he would say no. Um, a lot of people don't believe that. I think it's kind of a 50-50 split amongst Alabama fans. And look, and there's probably uh, 
Alabama fans that that believe that that's a job you just can't turn down. But when you've got something that is your own, which I believe Dabo's got right now in Clemson, to me, stay put. Just continue to do your thing. Um, the the ability to win championships right now in the ACC, it's much easier than what you get in the SEC. Like Alabama, to me, is almost a sure thing to be back in the college football playoff. Clemson is a more sure thing, especially where Florida State is right now. I mean, yeah. I can't imagine a scenario right now that Clemson doesn't win the ACC. Or basically what would be required is they would lose two games. Like, who are the, who's going to beat Clemson twice, two times in the ACC? It's just like, not going to happen. Possible and to and right, right now with Alabama, you know, you still got Auburn yep. in a situation in an Iron Bowl where you could lose. You still in a one-game situation playing a Georgia in an SEC championship you could lose. I just don't see it with Clemson. Um, what about Urban Meyer in the Big Ten? Um, I mean, is Urban Meyer as prohibitive of a favorite to you in the Big Ten as Dabo is in the ACC? The answer is probably no. No, Big Ten East is the best division in college football. I mean, right now, I look at what Mark D'Antonio's got going at Michigan State. I think that's going to be a really good team coming off 10 wins. I think Michigan is going to be – I know you think Harbaugh's overrated. I think they're going to lose week one against Notre Dame, and everybody's going to say, wait a minute, this is year four now for Harbaugh, and it ain't happening again. I think Michigan's going to be really, really good. Not going to be surprised at all if they win the Big Ten this year. And then you look at uh, Penn State with Trace McSorley, maybe the best quarterback in college football. I mean, four teams in that division. And then on the other side, you got Wisconsin, who's got another joke of a schedule. Yeah, it is. Uh, although Wisconsin, they get uh, Michigan. I think that Harbaugh and Michigan go nine and three or eight and four. I think they go eleven and one. I think they win the Big Ten. I think they're in the college football playoff. And Bold. I don't like Jim Harbaugh. Bold. I think Jim Harbaugh. We said that maybe Nick Saban. I don't think maybe Nick Saban is the greatest coach in college football history and the most dominant. If you want to roll all that together, I think that Jim Harbaugh is the most overrated coach in college football history based on what he's done at Michigan so far. Okay, but I go back to what he did at Stanford. Really a lot impressive. Of that, a lot of that, I think, was Andrew Luck. By the yeah, end maybe. of the year, Andrew Luck was pretty okay. good. So to me, Jameis Winston, that's kind of the Jimbo Fisher thing. A lot of what Jimbo Fisher yeah. did, who's now Texas A&M, was Jameis Winston. If I told you that Jimbo Fisher was going to win a national championship or not, what odds would you give me? A uh, billion to one. Not going to happen. <laughs> not going to. A billion A&M, to one. A&M can't even get here to Atlanta. Uh, we will break down more live from Atlanta. Final uh, couple hours. We'll keep you updated. Kawhi Leonard to the Raptors. Is it going to happen? I'm Clay Travis. I'll kick the coverage from Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. We are live down here in Atlanta, GA, where where the players play. And today, I'm telling you right now that uh, the SEC is off and running. We are here for SEC Media Days, the unofficial start of the college football season. Uh, we will have today uh, on uh, down here in the Omni in downtown Atlanta, Mississippi State, uh, Tennessee, Alabama and Missouri, Nick Saban returns to the scene of his uh, most recent victory in the Mercedes-Benz Dome Stadium down here, uh, not too far from where media days will be taking place for the first time in Atlanta, Georgia. He is back, uh, conquering hero Nick Saban, having won the national championship over the local team, the Georgia Bulldogs. So he will be back in Georgia for the first time since then. But the major news that is transpiring today, and the major news that may well take place and be decided before the end of the show, I don't know, but this morning, uh, and uh, this morning, news breaking that the expectation is that Kawhi Leonard will be traded from the San Antonio Spurs to the Toronto Raptors, and DeMar DeRozan will be shipped to the Toronto Raptors. DeMar DeRozan's Instagram story says as follows, told one thing and the outcome another, can't trust him, ain't no loyalty in this game, 
sell you out quick for a little bit of nothing. Soon you'll understand that was DeMar DeRozan three hours ago as it becomes more and more likely that he is potentially going to be sent to the San Antonio Spurs. Kawhi Leonard, um, and the expectation is, again, Kawhi Leonard who said, I want to go to the Lakers or I don't want to play. I'm done in San Antonio. This relationship is fundamentally broken. Greg Popovich said, okay, that can be your argument, but we are not going to allow you to dictate where you are going to go. And the expectation is now that the Spurs have dealt DeMar DeRozan to um, the uh, to the Toronto Raptors. We'll see what happens. I want to bring in the crew in L.A. where everybody theoretically is uh, is panicking. Uh, let's bring in the crew in. Uh, let's bring in the crew in L.A. Kawhi says he wants to go join LeBron James. He wants to be a Laker, and now he's going to get traded potentially to Toronto. First, I want to pull you guys on this: Is this the most "don't mess with me" coach move in NBA history? If Greg Popovich trades his best player to Canada, when that best player is being demanded that he be traded to. Uh, the Lakers. To me, this is an unbelievable move by Popovich and the Spurs to show Kawhi Leonard who remains boss. Is that the first thing that you think of when you see this story, Justin Cooper? Just like Greg Popovich saying, hey, I may be almost 70 years old. People may think I'm getting soft, but I created a dynasty down in San Antonio by getting guys to buy in and play the way I want them to play. Uh, And if you aren't willing to do it, then by the way, you are gone. Uh, Your thoughts in general uh, on that, Justin Cooper. I just love that angle of this story. I, mean, I feel like he had to know that it wasn't going to happen. With, you know, Ever since we heard the reports of Kawhi wanting to go to the Lakers, we immediate, it was immediately followed by the reports that the Spurs were under no circumstances going to do that. So I, I, you know, I'm not really surprised that it's you know not happening. And and to be honest, I didn't want the Lakers to pretty much mortgage the entire future and send every single young piece that they no, have I, for him. I think there's no doubt that the Lakers made the right decision in not giving all of their top young draft picks in order to get Kawhi Leonard. And that didn't make sense to me, as I've been saying on this show for a long time. It doesn't make sense to me if you think you're going to go join a team, why you would want that team to weaken itself in order to get you to the degree that the Lakers would have had to do to get Kawhi Leonard. Having said that, if what happens with Paul George happens with Kawhi Leonard, if he goes to Toronto and they spend the entire offseason and season wooing him and by the time NBA free agency comes around again next year, if they make the decision to stay there, then I think that's a really tough position to find yourself in if you're the Lakers because then, unless you can get somebody like Klay Thompson to switch sides, right, to to give up the the Golden State Warriors dynasty and come back down the coast to Los Angeles area where you were born and raised, then I think it gets really hard to pull off, right? And and if you can't get – uh, if you can't break up that Warriors dynasty, then LeBron is going to go to L.A. and he's just going to have a lot of meetings with Leonardo DiCaprio and Al Pacino where he sits around and pitches comedy dramas and he's got no chance to actually win a, uh, a championship. Uh, what about you, Eddie Garcia? What's the play here? Uh, do you think that there's any way that, one, this deal actually goes through, and, two, that Kawhi Leonard would decide to stay in Toronto? Because that's immediately going to be the next question people ask. Is Because Paul George worked. If Paul George didn't work out, I think it would be harder to make this argument. But when Paul George got traded, everybody said, okay, this is a one-year rental. They're going to try to do everything they can in Oklahoma City to win now. And then they managed to persuade him to stay, and it turned into a pretty cool story, I think, if you are the Oklahoma City Thunder, notwithstanding the fact that maybe you overvalued 
Paul George and Oladipo, obviously, he's played really well for the Pacers. But the next question is going to be, can these Raptors convince Kawhi Leonard to re-up with him? Well, it's a good question. I'm going to say no, but I will also concede that I was 100% wrong on Paul George. I really thought he was going to come to Los Angeles. It's what he's been saying for years. Everybody did. Yeah, I really thought he was coming to L.A., and I was totally wrong on that. So keep that in mind when I tell you I think that Kawhi Leonard is eventually going to come to the Lakers. And, And by the way, Greg Popovich and the Spurs sending him off to Toronto. It's nice. I mean, look, they get a decent player in return. They keep him out of the West at least for a year. But he's still going to a playoff team. It's not like they shipped him to Brooklyn or Charlotte or something like that. So it's not the worst thing in the world for Kawhi Leonard either. Yeah, the other thing I would say about this is there's a lot of people who will say, oh, Kawhi Leonard's upset. Like, you can do anything for one year. Right, and it's not even a full year. I mean, he's going to eventually get traded. The season doesn't start until October. He goes up there in whatever it is, August, you know, when the when he decides to move up or September or whatever it is. And then the Raptors, given their typical history in the, uh, in the Eastern Conference, don't advance that far in the Eastern Conference playoffs and eventually end up losing sometime in late May. And then he's done, right? He gets to sit around until NBA free agency officially comes back around again in July and decide whether or not he wants to make $200 million or $140 million. Not exactly the most awful kind of situation. But, Roberto, for Laker fans, and you're in L.A., Laker fever is at hysteria, this doesn't help, right? Because you get a little bit nervous now. Paul George, remember, was at Disneyland. All the Lakers were saying, uh, you know, hey, you're going to come here. We can't wait. He wants to come back home. And then, uh, then he decided to stay in Oklahoma City. And now you have to be a little bit nervous because LeBron without Kawhi, I mean, it starts to get really hard to kind of put the pieces together unless you can break up the Warriors in a way that could lead to a championship. Exactly. You know, I, I'm, I'm upset if the Lakers didn't uh, offer a package of uh, Ingram, Hart, and maybe a couple of first-round picks. If they did that and, and the Spurs said no, then I can understand why they want a mortgage all of the future. But, yeah, like you say, uh, if Kawhi decides to stay in Toronto, then really there's nobody else. Who, are you gonna, who else are you going to get to play with LeBron? They're not yeah, going to be mean, a championship again, team. They're not going to be I a think, championship team without another superstar. I think Clay Thompson fits LeBron really well. He doesn't have to make uh, you know get to the basket. He can just stand outside and drain threes. I mean, I think Clay Thompson would be incredible. I said that. Uh, you know, earlier this year when you were st- just first started talking about the idea of LeBron to the Lakers, I said, look, the first thing you have to do in addition to going to the Lakers is break up the existing uh, dynasty that is in Golden State. And I think the most the piece that you could pull away the easiest would be Klay Thompson. Now, maybe after three straight championships, cause I think the Warriors will win another title. Kevin Durant says, hey, at this point, I've got three titles. I can ride off into the sunset. Maybe he wants to go to Washington, D.C. Maybe he wants to go wherever he does in the NBA. He's kind of created that freedom for himself, although that freedom for himself evidently means he's just going to sit around and feud with uh, with 17-year-olds on uh, Instagram all day long. Um, by the way, the Major League Baseball All-Star game was last night. It's so baseball that baseball has the entire sporting calendar to itself last night. And this morning when I wake up, the number one story is going to be Kawhi Leonard. The NBA steps in and steals away some of the luster and some of the glow of an All-Star game that went to extra innings last night and saw the American League come away victorious for the sixth straight year. Uh, We are live at SEC Media Days. I was just talking with Lance Taylor. I'd encourage you to go back and listen to Hour 1. We've got a loaded show for you. In Hour 3, we're going to be joined by SEC Commissioner uh, Greg Sankey. 
in uh, hour two. I believe Steve Shaw, he is the head of officiating in uh, the SEC, and there's some intriguing moves that are being made in college football that are changing up uh, the uh, the dynamic. I also want to ask him about what he thinks about uh, instant replay review in the World Cup and what it's like in general because the SEC has created this system. It's very similar to what the NHL does where they have a home office reviewing all of the plays. So instead of having to worry about having a different instant replay crew in every single stadium where you might end up with inconsistent rulings or situations where the best possible application of the rule doesn't happen and you get the right result, they go to the league kind of official database in uh, in Birmingham, Alabama, and allow them to review it and make a decision about whether or not the right call has been made. So I'm, I'm genuinely curious uh, about the way that that takes place, and he's going to join us here in this hour, plus maybe a, a few more uh, special guests. In fact, uh, I just saw him walk by, Stuart Mandel, from the athletic is pegged now to uh, to join us as well, um, and so we'll talk to him in the next segment before we go and talk to uh, to Steve Shaw. But again, the big news, and we'll continue to update you throughout this show in the event that it happens. But if you're just waking up across the country, big news in the world of the NBA: a proposed trade to send Kawhi Leonard from the Spurs to the Raptors, Demar Derozan back down to uh, to Texas, and again, Demar Derozan has hopped on Instagram. And uh, as these things are typically covered, DeMar DeRozan's Instagram story is just uh, just uh, this basic story. Told one thing and the outcome another. Can't trust him. Ain't no loyalty in this game. Sell you out quick for a little bit of nothing. Soon you'll understand. That was DeMar DeRozan three hours ago as news that he may be well-headed to the San Antonio Spurs breaks. Fringe benefit, Darren Ravel from ESPN just tweeted out, that DeMar DeRozan would make $2 million more a year thanks to the fact that there's no state income tax in Texas. So at least that's nice. Uh, That doesn't sound awful. I'm Clay Travis. Uh, We will go to Stuart Mandel next. This is Fox Sports Radio, and you are listening to Outkick, the coverage. Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios, where car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Hope all of you are having fantastic Wednesday mornings. We are talking now with Stuart Mandel at SL Mandel, I believe, on Twitter, the uh, impresario now in charge of The Athletic. You guys have been announcing a lot of different hires. You've been several different places. You were at Sports Illustrated for a long time, then you were writing at foxsports.com when they still had a website, and now you are at The Athletic. For people who are not familiar with what's going on at The Athletic, what are you guys doing and kind of give your pitch for why people should care? It's a, it's a great product that came along at a great time when people were frustrated with the lack of great sports writing out there with, with that, or, or lack of sports writing and also having to deal with pop-up ads, oh, autoplay videos. Oh, it's insanely frustrating. You know, just the, the overall, the shift to trying to turn everything into a video, as you and I experienced at our former employer. Yes. So, um, you know, it's, right now you can get it for two ninety nine a month, which is close, you know, it's an unbelievable deal. We just announced on Monday uh, new beat writers for 19 different college football teams uh, to go with our national crew of myself, Bruce Feldman, and, and several others. So, um, you know, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled that, that people are responding so well to this. Um, once you try it out, and you can try it out for free for a week, you, you don't go back. You know, this is, this is the way people enjoy consuming sports writing now. I'm a subscriber because I'm just curious, like in general, to watch it and see it from a business perspective. And I found you guys doing a lot of good stuff from a writing perspective. 
How does it compare to being at, at SI and how does it compare to being at FoxSports.com in terms of you're writing behind a paywall a lot of times now, but most of the time people pay for things that they like. And we've kind of yeah. gotten into this, into this interesting business dynamic where people were like, oh, we're going to give it all away for free. And then you find out, well, most people don't work for free. And you don't walk into right. a bar and say, like, oh, the bar should be making money off advertising and give me my beer for free, right? Yeah, like, I you, mean, the it's, stupidest it's, decision of all time 20 years ago was when the Internet was first becoming a thing and all these major publishers decided to give away their content for free. Newspapers uh, and everybody yeah. else. and then they've been trying to dig out from it ever since. But, you know, we, we came along at a time, I don't know, five years ago, maybe we, people wouldn't have been so receptive, but we came along at a time when you could say, hey, you know, you can watch TV for free, but if you want to watch Mad Men or Breaking Bad, you know, you pay extra for that. You pay for Netflix, you pay for Hulu, you pay for Spotify. This is that. You know, this is just paying a little extra for some great content. And to answer your question, I mean, we have a lot of Sports Illustrated, former Sports Illustrated people at our company. It's definitely um, that, that type of journalism is very prevalent. Um, I think the big difference is we're absolutely, we don't need page views. We need subscribers. And the best way to get subscribers is to do good work. And so it's been very refreshing. The kind of stories that we that any journalist gets in the business to do, you know, expert analysis, in-depth profiles, are the stories that resonate the most. Because what's frustrating, I think, for a lot of writers online, and I've kind of pushed back against this for, for several years now, is I write something that may not be written anywhere else. And much of Internet journalism, and you want to put journalism in quotation marks, is 20 people writing the same thing. You know, because that's what's popular online. It's going to get shared the most page views and everything else. So I like the dynamic of what you're doing, which is writing for an engaged audience that wants something they can't find elsewhere. Exactly. And, you know, we find that people, you know, we've learned a lot over the last year, and we find that people consume it a lot like they would consume the morning newspaper 20 years ago. You know, we're not... News, news breaking. Not that we don't want to break news, but once you do break news, it's on Twitter forever. It's commodified it's immediately. Not, it's not yours anymore. But if you have the definitive next day take, you know we have the best Golden State Warriors coverage in the in the country. All the best Warriors writers work here, and you know that's the most covered NBA team in the world. And yet those guys are constantly pumping out unique and exclusive content that you can't get anywhere else. So that's what we're you know trying to do on a day in day out basis on college football. Yours and mine's former colleague Bruce Feldman. I mean, he everything he does is something you can't get anywhere else. No, it's true. We're You've got a, to have an incredible uh, group of talent. We're talking to Stuart Mandel at SL Mandel. So, what's your role like now compared to when you were just a writer? Now you're managing in many ways, much like you. Yeah, and, and so <laughs> I mean, it's a different kind of dynamic, yeah, right? Yeah. Because suddenly you're responsible for more than just yourself. How do you like that so far? It's been really exciting because I've been writing about college football for a long time, and I still love it. But this is an entirely new challenge hiring people, managing people, uh, coming up with our strategy from week to week. Uh, we did a, a big state of the program series this offseason. Yeah, I saw that. dive on you know, every team in the country, coming up with that concept, seeing it executed. You know, that's what takes up a lot of my time now. So once we get into the season, I'll be writing as much as I ever do. But this offseason has been um, interviewing, recruiting, interviewing, and offering job candidates. So um, how many people, you, I think you mentioned it earlier, but how many different, you, uh, I think have 19, you just said, like different beat writers in addition yeah. to, how, how big can it get? I mean, the model works if you hire the right person, and that's a key thing. You can't just put anybody on these beats. It has yes. to be somebody you know, uh, preferably somebody already has an established following, but regardless of that, somebody who could do the quality of work that we do, um, the subscriptions pay for itself. So, um, yeah, I think we're about done for this season. We yes. don't want to expand too fast. But, 
you know, I would love to eventually have somebody for every Power 5 program. And I believe I've got my card. You, you've got even a PR person, which is funny to me to see you walking around on Radio <laughs> Row with your own PR person. Uh, you guys have SEC writers at Georgia, Auburn, Florida, Alabama, and Tennessee. Um, and uh, you're at Media Days, and we're at, down in Atlanta at SEC Media Days. How much have you seen an event like this change over the years? Yeah, you know, this event has always been a bit of a circus, but the circus grows every single year. And bringing it here to Atlanta, I think they've made it a little more accessible. You know, you and I have been there many times in Hoover with the fans in the lobby. But now they had like a fan fest on Sunday, and you see, you know, many more fans out there actually able to, to experience this a little bit more. So... In terms of if you're a reporter trying to get exclusive access or something, that's not going to happen here, really. Um, This is really just an occasion for everybody to get together and talk about college football for four days. Okay, so college football universe, big questions, big pictures. Um, As as the SEC is meeting here, we'll start there. Uh, I think most people would agree that Alabama and Georgia are the two best teams, maybe Auburn and Mississippi State, I would say, kind of the top upper echelon. Would you agree in general with that kind of flow chart? I'm very high on Auburn. I I think that, you know, Putting aside the fact that historically they, you know, are very volatile yes. from year to year, but in terms of having the quarterback, having you like a fantastic Jared Stidham defense, and think he's a big time playmaker. Oh, he's big time. He's only going to get better. Really good talent on the defensive line. So, you know, I put them maybe slightly ahead of Georgia, who lost so many key players from last season. I think Curry Smart's building a machine there. Yes, and I'm, they'll be there every year. Maybe they take a slight step back this year. You brought up Mississippi State. That's a really interesting team, um, poised for a breakthrough. But you never know how a new coaching transition is going to go. I mean, I think Joe Moorhead... He walked into a really good job. He, he, that he I was handed the keys people. to the castle, for sure. Uh, and if it goes well, you know, can they... Unfortunately, they're in a, I mean, they've never really come close to beating Alabama since Saban's been there. So yes. can they actually win the SEC West? I don't know about that. But could they have a season like they did with Dak Prescott a few years ago and, and go to a major bowl game? Absolutely. LSU. You look at their schedule. To me, that's the storyline of the big programs. LSU opens against Miami and Mark Richt in in Dallas, which is going to be a massive game. I actually think Miami will win because I like Mark Richt preparing better than I do uh, Ed Ogeron everything else there. Then they go to Auburn after getting southeastern Louisiana. I think there's a decent chance that Ed O starts off 1-2. and two. I know they have a good recruiting class right now. How much pressure do you think he could be under if they have – a non-traditional LSU season in year two. Right, which I think is very possible. You know, the, 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 the problem for, for Coach O is he was put in what should be considered a rebuilding situation. I mean, the way things were at the end of the Les Miles era, obviously they needed to kickstart that program, but he's not being afforded that. You know, if Tom Herman had gotten that job, he would have probably spent that whole offseason talking about how bad a shape they were in and they needed to improve. But you can't do that when you're the interim coach being promoted. So... Um, they don't really have a running back they feel great about. They don't have the depth they usually do. And they're really, you could tell from his comments yesterday uh, on, when was that? Monday. Yes. From Coach O's comments, how much they're depending on Joe Burrow, the Ohio State transfer quarterback. They need this guy to not just win the job, but be a star. And that's asking a lot of a guy who hasn't really played yet. We're talking to Stuart Mandel, The Athletic. Go check him out, theathletic.com. He's also at, at SL Mandel uh, on Twitter. How do you uh, break down the rest of the college football universe? So we talked to SEC because SEC Media Days is going on right now, and there's obviously a lot of interest in those teams. What else to you jumps out as a major college football story in general associated with the rest of college football? Well, there's so many high-profile new coaches this year. And I, sometimes we say that, it seems like we say that every year, but really, you know, with Scott Frost taking over at Nebraska, which is a 
you know, extremely important story for college football. Yeah, that's a home run hire for Nebraska. Right. They couldn't have done any better. Chip Kelly taking over at UCLA. I mean, the, this guy, the four years, and I can't believe it was only four years he was head coach at Oregon, was one of the most dominant runs we've seen. It's going to take him a little bit to get that going at UCLA, but there's still a lot of intrigue there. Um, to me, that's almost more interesting than who's going to win the national championship because that feels like, well, it's going to be Alabama or it's going to be Clemson. And <laughs> like, Ohio State or is going to be in the mix. Ohio you, State will be in the mix. Do you buy into Michigan as deserving to be in the mix this year? Well, I think they have the now have the pieces to do it, but just an absolutely brutal schedule, opening at Notre Dame, getting Wisconsin in the crossover, and obviously their division is really tough. I mean, if they, for them to make the playoff, they have to go probably 11-1, and 12-1, against that schedule that's asking a lot yeah no i i think it's a it's a fascinating question there in general what about james franklin penn state what do you think about sc like uh the kind of the big big brands let's say yeah outside i, I think penn state could surprise some people i mean it's i know saquon barkley was such a big part of their success but they've got a lot you know trace mcsorley's a great quarterback and they've got a lot of pieces there i think sc could be in a little bit of trouble you know the they're counting on a 17 or 18 year old High school guy who reclassified a year, you know, left high school a year early in JT Daniels because the quarterbacks that were there on campus this spring really struggled. Um, they're not, there's not as much confidence in Clay Helton as there probably should be after winning the Pac 12 last season and winning the Rose Bowl the year before. Now, I don't have an obvious answer for you for who wins their division instead. Yes. I think Kevin Sumlin walked into a great uh, spot at Arizona with Khalil Tate, but really the Pac 12 to me is about Washington and Stanford. You know, it'll, be, it'll probably be one of those two teams. Talking to Stuart Mandel at SL Mandel on Twitter, The Athletic. He's a managing editor there. He's got a ton of different people that he has hired. State of Texas. Um, Jimbo Fisher, if I told you right now, will or will not Jimbo Fisher win a national title at Texas A&M? I think that's, that's obviously that's the goal. That's the only reason that's, they hired that's, him. At his, at his press conference here, somebody stood up and asked him, what's your timetable for winning a national championship? That's the goal. It's hard to win a national championship. Yes. Yes, he's done it before, but he did it at a program that's expected to win national championships at Florida State. So. And also, I mean, I know Clemson's good, but it's a little bit easier to win it the is. ACC than it is to win the SEC West, particularly as long as Nick Saban is there. Well, that's the thing. I think the single biggest issue for him is not anything internal because they've got all the resources and the talent that you would need. How long is Nick Saban going to be in that same division? Because yeah. as long as he's in the division, he could be a thorn in his side, but he's not going to overtake Alabama as the king of that division. So. You know, the best thing that could happen to Jimbo Fisher is that Nick Saban retires two years from now instead of seven years from now. There's no doubt about that. It's the best thing that could happen to the SEC, potentially. You can yeah. make that argument. What about Tom Herman at Texas? I, I don't I, – I like the, the prospects long term. Uh, I think, you know, a lot of times you see a coach rise up in year two like Kirby Smart did, and so maybe some people assume that will happen at Texas this year, but I don't think they're, they're quite there yet. I mean, most of the best players from that team last season turned pro, so – probably going to take another year i am looking forward to the rivalry even though they don't play each other between tom herman uh and and jimbo fisher going forward we're talking to Stuart mandel uh last question for you is there you and i enjoy this a lot nfl guy suddenly comes in and they're like hey this guy actually is pretty good at football you know like they don't pay attention to college football yeah. all year long and then they suddenly like they, they're like it's draft time they're like hey this guy saquon barkley's a really impressive <laughs> athlete you know it's yeah and last year i feel like we saw this prior to the injury you and i watched deshaun watson play a lot of yeah. football and when it got came time for the nfl uh, a lot of teams are saying, oh, I don't buy into Deshaun Watson. You're like, i kind of seen this guy go up against Nick Saban's defense and be pretty phenomenal in two straight championship games. I believe in this guy. 
Uh, how surprised sometimes are you that NFL people are surprised when great college players are also great NFL players? The, the NFL, um, every team employs a whole bunch of people, scouts, player personnel people, whose whole job is to evaluate players. So I think they overthink it because if they were to just show up with a list of the All-Americans that year, yes. it's like, what did we pay you for, right? <laughs> so they have to go find a Josh Allen. Let's go, you know, quarterback for Wyoming yep. who had some of the worst stats of any first-round yes. quarterback ever drafted. So in that, and because of that, I actually found it very refreshing that Baker Mayfield went number one because all the whole draft community, four months of, of mock drafts, and not until like the, that morning did anybody say, oh, you know what? We're hearing you Michael could, number one. You could have gotten him at 30 to one to go yeah, number one yeah. when these numbers initially came down. Now, it's going to be a tough situation going to Cleveland, obviously. But, you know, that was a rare example of the guy who, who excelled in, in college, college dominated in college, got taken instead of the guy with upside. And uh, it was refreshing to see. And are you still a big believer in Deshaun Watson coming off? The, I mean, are you nervous at all about the double ACLs or anything like that? From a yeah, you know, I don't. I haven't followed closely the details of his recovery, but remember, he tore his ACL yeah. uh, freshman year at Clemson, came out the next year, and won it's the national good. championship. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm bullish on him for sure. We are coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where it's easy to save fifteen percent or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to Geico.com or call eight hundred nine four seven Auto. The only hard part: figuring out which way is easier. Going to be joined by Steve Shaw. He's the Southeastern Conference Coordinator of Officials here in a moment. But first, let me toss it to Eddie Garcia. Find out what's shaking in the world of sports. Well, Clay, we'll start with the breaking news out of the NBA, where Yahoo Sports is reporting that the San Antonio Spurs and Toronto Raptors are finalizing a big trade that would see Kawhi Leonard go to Toronto for Demar Derozan. Leonard is an NBA Finals MVP, two-time All-Star, and two-time Defensive Player of the Year. DeRozan is a four-time, four-time NBA All-Star. 89th Annual Major League Baseball All-Star Game with extra innings with the American League edging the National League 8-6 to six in 10 innings. There were a total of 10 home runs hit in the game, which is an All-Star record. Alex Bregman hit the go-ahead homer in the 10th. He was named the MVP. In baseball news, the LA Dodgers are reportedly on the verge of acquiring All-Star shortstop Manny Machado from the Baltimore Orioles. He's 26, is a four-time All-Star and a two-time Gold Glove winner. All-Star relief pitcher Josh Hader of the Milwaukee Brewers has apologized for racist, homophobic, and sexist tweets that he apparently made as a teenager. The tweets were discovered on social media during the All-Star game. NFL News, the LA Rams on wide receiver Brandon Cooks to a five-year contract extension worth $80 million. This report is brought to you by True Car. Online car shopping can be confusing, but not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Back to Clay Travis and the Geico Outkick the Coverage Studios. We are down here in Atlanta, SEC Media Days. We are joined now by Steve Shaw. He's the SEC Coordinator of Officials. And I just find your gig now fascinating. So, uh, first of all, let's start here. A few years ago, I got to come out and be an official at Alabama's A-Day game. I was on the field. I got an officiating uniform, which I still get to use as a, uh, as a uh, Halloween costume. <laughs> and... I blew a pass interference call. A.J. McCarron was the quarterback. He threw a ball. Uh, it was uh, clearly pass interference. I pulled the flag out of my pocket, held it in my hand, but didn't throw it. Is that the number one thing that an official can do that's the wrong play? Yeah, one, you know, we, if you pull it, you better throw it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we've still got great video on that, Clay, <laughs> and uh, we, we need to dig it out. But uh, it, it was. And, you know, what made it so special, you know, as we watched it was, I mean, you know the Alabama fans. It was 90-something yes. thousand in the stands, and, and it was clear pass interference. Every fan in the stands knew it. Yeah. They saw you pull your flag, and then when you stuck it back in your pocket, <laughs> you got a good boo. So, uh uh, very we memorable need, we day. Need to, we need to play that audio <laughs> at some point. Um, 
you get to spin. So the way that things have evolved is you now are kind of the arbiter of everything, right, that can be. I mean, you get to see all of these instant replay reviews and everything else. For somebody who's watching a college football game, they're watching a big, you know, SEC on CBS game or they're watching a night game on, on, uh, on the SEC network or wherever it is, how does the process work when you guys decide to review a play? So it's the replay official in stadium is actually the, the official that makes the determination we need to stop the game. Yes. And so, but once we stop the game, then we have three replay officials in Birmingham. And uh, so the central location. So they send the, they, they, they buzz Birmingham and then Birmingham's going to make the decision in Alabama about whether or not the call is correct or not. Well, it, we call it collaborative. Yes. So, so the, we don't just tell the guy in the stadium, you know, kick back and we'll give you the answer momentarily. We expect him to do his work. Yep. Uh, the so three, it's a discussion that's going on with it those is, three. It is. It's collaborative. Uh, but, you know, one of the things that we found, what makes this a better solution, the, the replay guys in Birmingham, I mean, it's a quiet work environment. There's three of them together. So they have their assigned games, but when there's a stop, they all three come together. And, you know, in the stadium, I mean, the crowd's buzzing, TV's looking in the window, the clock's ticking, you're yes. sweating bullets. Whereas in Birmingham, very quiet environment, three guys working together. And what it's helped us do is, is be a lot more consistent and avoid any, you know, what I call, you know, incorrect outcomes. And, and the other part of this is, and everybody had the concern, boy, this is collaborate, it's going to take a lot more time. Uh, last year, so we've done it two years now, last year, year before this past season, we were a minute 26. Last year, we reduced that down to a minute 16. And so Commissioner still wants us to get better than that. But uh, So now we've got the time really working down. and uh, But it's a better solution. And, uh, and, and when I don't get to actually participate in the decision. Yes. Now, I own every decision. <laughs> right. So, uh, but uh, Commissioner's very clear on that because – you know, there's so many fans out there that think, you know, all kind of thoughts. And so the conference office is not making decisions. It's still officials. I believe it's based on who's got the home game, right, in terms of who reviews the calls. Well, How does it, that work in a neutral site game? Like for fans out there who say, okay, the SEC's playing the Big Ten or, you know, you got a lot of these intersectional matchups. How does the replay decision get made then? So, it, believe it or not, it's all handled via contract of the two schools when okay. it's non-conference. Um, the, the typical thing that happens if it's um, a peer conference, so say an SEC team is playing Big 12, typically what will happen when the game is at the Big 12 stadium, it'll be SEC officials and Big 12 replay, replay officials, officials in the booth, yes. and then vice versa when they come back. But the reason for that initially was because the home team had their equipment and they right. were familiar with it. But now we have really standardized the equipment nationwide. So we've actually experimented with if, if your crew is going and traveling on the field, then we put the replay officials there. For example, last year, so now Notre Dame uh, is ACC and ACC officiates their game. But when Georgia played there, it was an SEC crew on the field. And because of now the equipment, and we knew exactly what, we went ahead and had an SEC replay crew. So we're really in a transition window to see what's the best way. But these neutral site games, you know, the Chick-fil-A game and all these are typically officiated like we do bowl games, and it's got a neutral crew. So if it's SEC versus ACC, we might have Big Ten officials. What do they do for the playoff? Is that decided before the season even begins? Like who's nope. gonna, how, how does that work out? So, so what has happened uh, over the first – you know, four years of it, 
is uh, by by virtue of looking at the semifinals, there's always one Autonomy 5 conference that's going to be left out. Yes. And so what has happened is that conference has been given the national championship game knowing that there will be no conflict of interest there. Yes. And then the other two – uh, are, are selected, you know, in, in a neutral way. So, so like the first year of it, we worked uh, in the Rose Bowl, which, which was, uh, I think it was Oregon and Florida State. Uh, even though we had a team playing in the other semifinal, since that was a neutral site, we would do that. So, so that's really how it's done. But all bowl games have neutral crews in them. We're talking to Steve Shaw. He's the SEC coordinator of officials. Um, what should fans know for this year of college football that has changed? There's always some a couple of rules, and people have to get adjusted to them in September and October, may not even know them by November. Is there anything major that in your mind has changed? You know, probably the biggest change that we'll have this year is the kickoff. And, and so, um, you know, the kickoff is a play that we're really working to make a safer play. It, it's our most dangerous play as far as injury rate. Uh, but what we found in it on touchbacks on kickoffs, the injury rate goes significantly down. So a few years ago, we moved the kickoff back up five yards. We didn't allow the kicking team to run up more than five yards. So we were trying to do some – and we gave the touchback to the 25. So we were trying to do things to incent more touchbacks, and it worked. Uh, that year that we changed that, we went from about 19% kick touchbacks to almost 40. It was like 39 point something. So we almost doubled our touchback rate. Uh, which was good. But now we're seeing, you know, this trend of sky kicks, pin them, try to keep them inside the 25. So we're going to give the receiving team the opportunity. So if there's a kickoff uh, inside the 25, the receiving team has the opportunity to make a fair catch. And if they complete the fair catch, it, the ball will belong to them at the 25. So oh, that's look like a touchback. Yeah, I don't think people are aware that that – I mean, that's a pretty substantial change. So uh, you won't be able – if somebody makes the catch at the one-yard line, they could still fair catch it there. They could fair it catch it and get it at the 25. And so what this, we hope, does is it takes the injury rate down. We've got to make the play safer. Uh, and, and we're able to keep the – you know, a lot of people talk about, hey, are we going to eliminate kickoffs? And, and here's what I would tell you from the rules committee. The rules committee's committed to making this play safe. Yes. And, and so we're going to continue to take steps. We've got other things we could do. They said this year I w- they wanted to make one change so we could measure it. You're, you know, if you make multiple changes, you don't know what worked and what didn't. So we're going to see what happens here. The, we met with the NFL. They're doing some things as well. And so we're all – working to make it a safer play because we want to keep the play in the game. I mean, think of all the games where you had a long touch kickoff return or a surprise onside kick. It can flip a game. So we want to keep the play. I mean, it's in our nomenclature. You you say, hey, what time's kickoff? I mean, so uh, we want to keep the play, but we have to make it safer. And that's what this is all about. Uh, We're talking to SEC uh, uh, coordinator of officials, Steve Shaw. Uh, Last question for you, Steve, as as you kind of break down all of this. do you? I'm curious if you watched FIFA at all, the World Cup. Like they added in replay, and you started off in an officiating world where there was no replay. Is it better now with replay? Do you think that officials that are coming up now are used to it? Is it changing the game the way that officials? To what you hear a lot of people say is, oh, you know, like uh, the definitive nature of calls and everything else is changing. Guys are thinking in the back of their head. In your mind, is college football better with replay than it was when you started, and there was no replay? And in general, across the world of sports, where I think replay has become standardized, what would your perspective be on that in terms of how it's changed overall officiating? 
Yeah, so it is better, okay? And, and, and you gotta t- you know, you got to go through the journey of technology. I mean, there would have been a day if we'd have had replay when we didn't have HD, and we, we wouldn't have been very effective in it. But I think the thing that you have to be careful of is, you know, initially replay was put in to correct obvious errors on the field with indisputable video evidence. Well, we've left obvious a long time ago, and I think replay is a great thing but I think replay can run amok. And what I mean by that is you can just go forward so far and say, we want to use replay to get everything to make it a perfect game. And that's impossible. It, it impedes on the game. So I would say if I was starting out new, because we've kind of fallen into that trap of every year we add a little more, we add a little more, we add a little more. And at some point, you, replay becomes, you know, over invasive into the game. So I think you've got to find that spot of fixing the things that matter and, and let's just play through the others. Would you ever like to see in the – I know I said last question, but this brings up to mind. Would you ever like to see an NFL-style replay in college where there are challenge flags and every play is not being reviewed? Do you think that ever might happen? Well, I would tell you that had a lot of discussion this year because what we're trying to do is find ways to keep the game moving. And so – you know, the question is, you have a five-yard out route that we ruled complete on the field in the first quarter, and it was really incomplete. Well, now replay has to stop the game. And, and the question would be, hey, let's put that in is the head coach. Is, is it is worth this, Exactly. Is, yes. is this a critical play in the game? And so, so what I would tell you is we've talked about that, but I'm going to tell you that coaches – are not ready to run to that model because that puts more in, I mean, think of the post-game conference. Yes. Why didn't you challenge that? As opposed to now they can say, hey, you know, that was a replay guy upstairs, you know. And they do have a challenge in college. So if they're uncomfortable with something, they can make a challenge. But I don't think our coaches right now are ready to do that. But I would tell you, we've come enough in the cycle and replay. We're looking for ways not to dial it back, but to make sure that we don't impede on the game more than we should. Last year, I know you want to stop, but we, at last year we averaged 2.1 replays a game right at one overturn, .96. And so, so you know, it's, it's really not impeding on the game. We need to hold it where it is. Outstanding stuff. That's SEC coordinator of officials Steve Shaw. Final segment, Hour 2 up next. What's the latest on Kawhi here on Fox Sports Radio? What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to Geico.com 15 minutes ago. The big news uh, breaking overnight, Kawhi Leonard potentially being traded to the Toronto Raptors in exchange for DeMar DeRozan and potential other uh, aspects of that deal. Still not officially official. The news breaks overnight that is close to being official. Uh, So we will see whether or not that happens in the final hour of the show. We'll go back in and reset everything for you to make you aware of all the latest news there uh, at the top of Hour 3 if you're just waking up across the country. We're also set to be joined for a while by SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey. Uh, We are live in Atlanta at the SEC Media Days where... Uh, there is uh, much to be discussed as college football inches closer and closer as football season in general inches closer and closer. So we'll start off with that top of hour three. Appreciate all of you. Encourage you to go download the podcast. Lots of great stuff in hour one and hour two so far. Uh, like I said, SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey, we'll get into a lot of stuff with him in hour three, but we'll give you the update on Kawhi Leonard and DeMar DeRozan, Spurs and Raptors up next here on Fox Sports Radio. 
Live from Atlanta, Georgia, where SEC Media Days is underway. We are at the Omni downtown next door to CNN. I have invited my good friend Brooke Baldwin, who kicked me off CNN for saying I love the First Amendment and boobs, to come by and be on the show. So far, she has not responded. Mississippi State, Tennessee, Alabama, and Missouri all scheduled to appear today. It's talking season as uh, SEC legendary coach Steve Spurrier used to call this time of year. And it's talking season in the NBA as well. The big story right now, as you're waking up across the country, many of you on the West Coast in particular, starting off your morning with us, we appreciate you hanging with us here on Outkick the Coverage. Well, the Toronto Raptors are apparently very close to trading for Kawhi Leonard. Um, And uh, they would be sending DeMar DeRozan to the San Antonio Spurs. If you are not familiar with that story in general I will basically read you everything that went up early this morning right before the show was set to go live at around 5 45 a.m eastern Uh, Adrian uh, Wojnarowski at ESPN posted the following story the Toronto Raptors are finalizing a deal to acquire San Antonio Spurs star Kawhi Leonard in a trade package that includes all-star DeMar DeRozan. Uh, this is according to the article that they uh, that they wrote. An agreement in principle could be reached as soon as Wednesday, league sources said. Leonard and DeRozan are both aware that an agreement could be imminent and neither is expressing enthusiasm for the deal. League sources said Toronto and San Antonio have been talking about the trade for two weeks and several incarnations of packages have been discussed. Sources close to DeRozan told ESPN's Chris Haynes DeRozan met with Toronto Brass in Las Vegas during the Summer League, was told he would not be traded, uh, and he has since posted on Instagram, be told one thing and the outcome another, can't trust him, ain't no loyalty in this game, sell you out quick for a little bit of nothing, soon you'll understand, don't disturb. Uh, That is uh, what DeMar DeRozan took to Instagram early on Wednesday morning to post. Again, the deal is not official, uh, but Toronto would be able to offer a Kawhi Leonard, who will be a free agent at the end of the year, a five-year, $190 million contract next summer. If Leonard left the Raptors, he could sign a four-year, $141 million deal. Uh, Kawhi Leonard has been very open about the fact that he wants to play for the L.A. Lakers. The question that would arise immediately is, Could the Raptors win this gamble by trading for Kawhi Leonard? Could they persuade him to re-up with them for five more years, as happened with Paul George, or would Kawhi Leonard stick to his plan, play for one more year for the Raptors on a high-priced rental, and then move on to join LeBron James and the Lakers? That has to have Laker fans following this story very much with bated breath to see how it's all going to play out. So that is the big news that is out there. Certainly, also many of you watched the Major League Baseball All-Star Game last night and the American League won for a sixth straight year in uh, in extra innings. I thought um, that this was the most interesting thing that came out of the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. I don't know if you guys saw this story. It's kind of been buried, but Rob Manfred uh, appeared there on Fox Sports last night, the commissioner of Major League Baseball, and said that he was interested in growing Major League Baseball from 30 teams to 32 teams. And in particular, on top of that, he said, and I'm quoting directly from the Major League Baseball commissioner, we have a real list of cities that I think are not only uh, interested in having baseball, but are viable in terms of baseball. Places like Portland, Oregon, 
Las Vegas, Charlotte, Nashville in the United States, certainly Montreal, maybe Vancouver in Canada. We think there's places in Mexico we could go over the long haul. That's pretty big news for Major League Baseball to have come out and said, hey, we're interested in adding two more teams expansion-wise in baseball, and then to go forward the next step and name four different cities. Again, Portland and Oregon. Uh, For those of you out there in Portland, Maine, you're like, oh, man, I thought we had this team. Uh, No, Portland and Oregon, Las Vegas, Charlotte, and Nashville in the United States. I'm going to put up a poll question. If you were Major League Baseball, which city do you think is the best fit for an expansion franchise, given the four names that were made uh, last uh, last night by the commissioner Rob Manfred on Fox Sports, and uh, and I will again post that up in the near future. You can go vote in that poll question at Clay Travis is my Twitter account. But that is a big story uh, that has kind of been buried a little bit. Again, major breaking news happening overnight, early this morning, as many of you are waking up across the country. Kawhi Leonard potentially to the Raptors, DeMar DeRozan to the Spurs. Now, I will say this. We have been talking about this possibility for a couple of weeks on the show here because I started paying attention, and I always do pay attention, to the offshore odds. And there was substantial movement a couple of weeks ago in the likelihood of Kawhi Leonard moving to the Raptors. They became the substantial favorite uh, and as a result, that uh, that interest level has continued to grow. Uh, I want to bring in the crew. We got a lot of people out in L.A. This news had to land a bit like a bombshell, I would imagine, in the L.A. area because it's kind of like uh, deja vu, right? We had the expectation that, and the strong indication that there was going to be interest in Kawhi Leonard potentially joining the Lakers, and then boom. All of a sudden, the news is, man, he might actually be going to the Raptors, and the Raptors are letting it be known, hey, we're going to try to persuade him to stay here. And uh, instead of going like Paul George did and making the decision to go to Oklahoma City and stay there. So much to discuss there, bringing the L.A. crew. I'll start with you, Justin Cooper. Your thoughts when you saw this officially kind of hit the wire in the middle of the night? My thoughts are just uh, be patient and hope that uh, the Paul George thing doesn't happen again, which I was fine with happening, by the way, because I was kind of soured on Paul George anyway. But uh, Kawhi is somebody that I really want on the team, and so hopefully hopefully he just plays out his year, plays it cool, does his thing, goes through the motions, then comes over next year. Yeah, we'll see exactly. What about you, Eddie Garcia? What were your thoughts? Well, Justin's coming from the perspective of a Lakers fan. I, I'm I'm not a Lakers fan. I'm not a, a big NBA fan, to be honest with you, but a casual observer. Uh, and I thought, yeah, there's the Spurs uh, doing what they do, uh, seeming to get a leg up on everybody, uh, telling uh, Kawhi Leonard, we're not going to give you what you want. We're not going to send you to another team in the West. Now, eventually, of course, he could go to L.A. or somewhere else in the West. But we're going to send you to Toronto, where you don't want to go and uh, – give you a little payback i know there's a lot of people out there that are um that are fans of the show and listen in canada but for your average person out there when you say hey it's la or bust i want to be a laker you better trade me to la and then greg popovich comes back and he says eh, we're not going to send you to la Kawhi. in fact we're going to send you to canada it's like you are sending him to the other side of the moon i think for many nba players and i know toronto is great I know it's a great city. I know there are people who fabulously love living there. But if you're in Texas and you want to go to L.A. and you get told, hey, you're having to move to Toronto, 
that is about as big of a uh, send-off with a middle finger extended as Greg Popovich could possibly do, in my mind, to uh, to Kawhi Leonard at all. Roberto, are you with me there? Like, if you say, hey, it's L.A. or bust, and the next thing you know you got a job in Toronto, Canada, like, that is Greg Popovich sending a big message, right? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, only thing I can say is now if, uh, if um, Kawhi decides to stay in Toronto, the Lakers uh, – uh, next year, it's going to be tough if they don't get Clay Thompson. They got to break up the Warriors dynasty. They got to break yeah, up Clay exactly. Thompson. They got to convince Kevin Durant to come back. Okay, I think Chris Budden, are you going to join us? No, she's not. She's just going to talk to me off the air. Um, <laughs> she is a sideline reporter. So I'm going to talk to her off the air. She doesn't want to come on. She's terrified of what they will say to her at ESPN if she comes on the air. So uh, I will talk to her off the air. We're going to be joined by SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey at the bottom of the hour. We're going to go to break here. I'm going to try to time this hour better than I timed the last hour. Um, and uh, we will continue to uh, to roll here. SEC Media Days, again, the people that are going to be here, Mississippi State, Tennessee, Nick Saban, is back in, uh, in, in the city of Atlanta in a public way for the first time since he won his national championship on the overtime pass against Georgia, and also Missouri will be here. That is the Wednesday edition of Outkick, the coverage. Also, fingers crossed, hoping that Brooke Baldwin's going to walk over from CNN. Still not responding to my gentlemanly offer to allow her to come on the show and have a boob summit and, uh, and, and, and go ahead and resolve all of our differences. So I don't know what's going to happen there. I do know that SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey is set to play. I'm also curious on your responses. I think this Rob Manfred news about the fact that Major League Baseball is interested in expanding and that he actually named four cities, Portland, Oregon, Las Vegas, uh, Charlotte, and Nashville. Where would be the best places to add two Major League Baseball franchises? I'm going to put it up, and I just want your favorite. Uh, which city is your favorite? Which city is the most ready? And then we'll just rank them based on which cities get the best votes. All that and more, I'm at Clay Travis on Twitter. You can go vote there. Uh, Greg Sankey, SEC Commissioner, will join us at the bottom of the hour. I'm live in Atlanta, Omni Hotel, next door to my good friend, Brooke Baldwin. This is Fox Sports Radio, Geico, Outkick Studios in Atlanta. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Well, we've been following the Kawhi Leonard drama throughout the entirety of the morning. And it appears, as I scroll through and check all of my news here, Adrian Wojnarowski, a Woj bomb. Toronto has reached agreement in principle to acquire San Antonio's Kawhi Leonard for a package that includes DeMar DeRozan, league sources tell ESPN. Trade is larger on both sides, and players are still being informed of their inclusion in the deal. Trade call with a league today. That breaking about four minutes ago while we were in the commercial break. So, uh, again, I'm continuing to read the news breaking. Uh, for now, only DeRozan has been informed that he's in the tra- trade. League sources tell ESPN. Uh, Toronto President Masai uh, Ujiri informed DeRozan overnight. That explains the Instagram post uh, that was up that we have been reading from, uh, from that. Again, the trade now official, Kawhi Leonard to the Toronto Raptors. And this now represents a big, big, massive swing, massive wager by the Toronto Raptors that they are going to be able to convince Kawhi Leonard to do what Paul George did 
go for what could be a one-year rental and decide to commit to multi-years in the future because they are giving up DeMar DeRozan, who is a very talented player. The Spurs now shipping Kawhi Leonard to the Eastern Conference. The talk had been that they did not want to trade him in-house to the Western Conference. So this is, uh, this is major breaking news in the NBA. This officially, I would say, kind of ends the wild season in the NBA. And now Kawhi Leonard is almost officially on the clock, right? Because the question will be, can Magic Johnson, can LeBron James, can the Lakers persuade Kawhi Leonard to make the uh, make the move to L.A., or are the Raptors going to win that persuasion battle and be able to convince Kawhi to re-up for nearly $200 million on a five-year deal? They can give him the most guaranteed money now. Now, if we had said last year, Paul George is at Disneyland, he's walking around with his family, everybody is out there saying, hey, come to the Lakers, Paul George, we can't wait to get you here. If I had told you the day that he was traded to Oklahoma City, you know what I think, guys? I think Paul George is going to end up liking Oklahoma City a ton. I think he's going to make the decision to sign a long-term deal in Oklahoma City, and he's not going to bolt and go to L.A., even though he's made it clear to everyone that he wants to be a Laker. If I had made that argument, a lot of you would have said, man, Clay Travis, you are crazy. There's no way this Southern California guy finally getting free agency opportunities is going to make the decision to stay in Oklahoma City and commit long-term. It's even crazier to make that argument, you could say, given the fact that we know that they weren't that close in Oklahoma City to even winning a single series. They lost in six games to the Utah Jazz in the first round. And still, the relationship between Russell Westbrook and uh, and. Paul George became so sound and the relationship between Paul George and the Oklahoma City Thunder franchise became so sound that he re-upped and he decided to stay there. Is it possible for the Raptors to pull that off? That is going to be the massive, literally hundreds of millions of dollar question. Or, unlike Paul George, is Kawhi Leonard going to make the decision when he is a free agent next July to go join LeBron James and the Lakers? This is a seismic story. And The question would also be, if you are Kyle Lowry or you are other elements of this Toronto Raptors franchise, how desperately do you need Kawhi Leonard to stay? It may suck to lose like they did in the second round to the Cleveland Cavaliers last year. But man, how much more does it suck to go from a 59-win team to a team that, frankly, if Kawhi Leonard left them with nothing in the lurch, That's a really tough situation to find yourself in. This is a big gamble by Toronto, by their GM, by the franchise in general, because effectively what they are arguing is that they are going to be able to persuade Kawhi Leonard to stay in Toronto. Man, the NBA offseason drama is much better than the NBA regular season drama. And by the way, I think none of this changes the fact that the Warriors remain the favorite substantially in the NBA, but it does at least go to a certain degree to give some balance of power back to the Eastern Conference to get a guy as good as Kawhi if he's healthy. And that's the other question we don't know the answer for. How healthy is Kawhi Leonard? How much is he going to be able to play at a really high level this year for the Raptors? Will he play at a high level for the Raptors? Or is he going to have a second straight season where effectively he shuts it down? We know the interpersonal relationship element of Kawhi Leonard is massive here. So again, if you're just waking up across the country Breaking news, 
Kawhi Leonard has been traded, according to Adrian Wojnarowski at ESPN, to the Toronto Raptors. The players involved in this deal are being informed as we speak, and the totality of that deal will continue to unpack itself. This is where Twitter is awfully entertaining. Um, and here is a uh, here's a latest update from uh, Wojnarowski. Uh, the San Antonio-Toronto deal has been close for days and nearly fallen apart several times. League sources tell ESPN uh, the Raptors wanted to inform DeRozan last night and hours before the trade call went official. DeRozan and longtime teammate Kyle Lowry talked hours ago. And again, DeMar DeRozan has taken to Instagram to say that the team is not loyal. News first began breaking about the potential of Kawhi Leonard to the Raptors on the offshore gambling sites. I'm telling you all, if you're not paying attention to the offshore gambling sites, you should be. It's often where we get the best indication of what might be transpiring. So again, Kawhi Leonard to the Raptors will continue to unpack this and the significance of this decision um, as the show continues. Up next, we are scheduled to be joined live here in Atlanta by SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey. I will ask him what he thinks about the big news of Kawhi Leonard to Toronto. Uh, and we'll break down all of the upcoming football universe. All that and more. I'm Clay Travis. This is Outkick Coverage. Let me go ahead and go to uh, Eddie Garcia here as we go to break. Uh, your update's going to involve a guy by the name of Kawhi Leonard headed to the uh, headed to the Toronto Raptors. Uh, yeah, that's right, Clay. Uh, breaking in the overnight hour and now uh, being reported that it is uh, an agreement in principle where the San Antonio Spurs will be sending their all-star Kawhi Leonard to the Toronto Raptors in exchange for fellow all-star DeMar DeRozan. Leonard is also an NBA Finals MVP and a two-time Defensive Player of the Year. DeRozan, a four-time all-star for the Toronto Raptors. So again, Kawhi Leonard going to the Toronto Raptors. DeMar DeRozan heading to the San Antonio Spurs. We had the Major League Baseball All-Star game last night. A record 10 home runs were hit by both teams. Uh, combining 8-6 was the final American League over the National League in 10 innings. Alex Bregman hitting the go-ahead home run in the 10th. He was named the MVP. In baseball news, L.A. Dodgers reportedly on the verge of acquiring all-star shortstop Manny Machado from the Baltimore Orioles. All-star relief pitcher Josh Hader of the Milwaukee Brewers is apologizing for racist, homophobic, and sexist tweets that he apparently made as a teenager. They were discovered and put on social media during the All-Star game last night. In the NFL, the L.A. Rams signed wide receiver Brandon Cooks to a five-year extension worth $80 million. This report is brought to you by True Car. Online car shopping can be confusing, but not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car, so visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Now back to Clay Travis and the Geico Outkick the Coverage Studios. We will continue to break down Kawhi to the Raptors and DeMar DeRozan to the Spurs, but up next, it's SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey live with us here in Atlanta. Geico Outkick Studios in the Omni Hotel next door to CNN on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back. Geico Outkick Studios live in Atlanta, SEC Media Days. As people who love the outdoors, Bass Pro knows what they stand for. They stand for great gear, fair prices, expert service, and memorable experiences at Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's. They stand together for you. They present a lot of our college football coverage, and certainly they are presenting this as we are down in Atlanta. We're joined now by SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey. Um, And Atlanta, you're three-quarters of the way through almost. How would you assess the city moving it for the first time to Atlanta for SEC Media Days? And what was the response in Birmingham? Were people like, I can't believe you're doing this, or did they kind of foresee that it might happen? 
I, I think to the last question, there was an understanding in the coffee shop every so often. It's like, oh, I can't believe it's moving. But, yes. uh, you know, there, there was an understanding that, uh, you know, that, that movement could happen. 85 is when uh, the last time, the first media days in Birmingham was 1985. I was in junior college, by the way, <laughs> at that point. And uh, moving here was something that was really based on Mercedes-Benz Stadium. We thought last summer would have been the time to do it college football playoff championship is there our championships there first college football event could be sec media days and then the construction schedules stop that from being a reality but it put us through a thought process that uh we could use the college football hall of fame have the right field be downtown we use centennial park for a fan event that's part of what we'd like to activate just make this a little bit bigger bring fans in more intentionally no matter where we're located and uh, I think those things have worked well it's a little bit different than what we had for the past few decades but I think it works different can be good is the expectation that you would move to other cities as well I know you go back to Hoover next year in in the Birmingham area and we're talking with SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey but obviously the SEC footprint is substantial now when you consider Missouri when you consider Texas idea that you could go to other cities as well that's the idea and we felt when we really thought it through let's go to atlanta first time since 85 it's not been in birmingham see what happens how do people react the reaction i've received has been positive then trying to plan secure hotel rooms facilities you need advance notice so we could go back and do a review uh think about where uh, and, and when we have to make those decisions as we look to 2020. And, yeah, I think the, the major media cities, major cities in our footprint are, are appropriate for consideration without predicting where it might be. Big news. I think this is going to happen within the next couple of days in terms of the footprint of the SEC. Mississippi is going to legalize sports gambling. And there's obviously been a lot of other states that have done that as well. How much conference planning, college football discussion have you guys done around the sports gambling universe and the way things are changing? We started a conversation uh, around sports gambling probably back in 2010, 2011, trying to learn from those that operate legalized sports gambling in Vegas uh, what the line means, how it's set, what type of information they have, what type of oversight provided. And then our staff, actually William King, our associate commissioner, spent a lot of time working with the professional leagues because they've been more intentional, more aggressive than collectively I think we have at the college level about lobbying, understanding. You know, Adam Silver's talked about the integrity fee, but the other leagues have been attentive as well. And then we had the Supreme Court decision, and now we see you know New Jersey, Delaware, Pennsylvania, and Mississippi rolling this out. I don't think it's a cataclysm. Some, some view it that way. I think it's a change. It's a moment of change, and you'll see mounting and in, probably increasing state law changes to facilitate legalized gambling. So the reality is we had legalized sports gambling, but limited to Nevada. And then we had, as I understand it, you may have heard, some other gambling activities outside Nevada, maybe outside the scope of the law. So, I have heard that people like to gamble. Yeah, so uh, is, source is close to me. So the, the, now you look at it as an opportunity. One, hey, would I prefer that we don't have gambling and the pressures? Sure. But I also understand reality. And the reality is it's happening around us. So the message to our, our state and federal legislative leaders is you have to protect the integrity of our games. You have to provide the right kind of oversight. I think that's the opportunity that we learn from the activity in 10 and 11 is that there is a whole lot of information, though. And that transparency, that communication, that oversight and accountability needs to be real. There also needs to be, I think, some protections around particularly college athletics for participants. It's very different than the NFL or the NBA. 
and you know the the nature uh the 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 methodology around the the betting is a substantive issue i'm not prescriptive clay and how that has to play out but rather than just rush to say let's do it let's do it let's do it we have to stop and think about some of the implications because the the larger implication is it will make i think gambling activity more culturally accessible the lessons from europe is it becomes a normative practice but the integrity of our games, the protection of the people associated with those games has to be central as this is rolled out. You talked in your address a couple of days ago about the SEC network and what you consider to be the primacy of the SEC network among the college network uh, system. You've got the SEC network and the Big Ten network, which I think it's fair to say have created space between themselves and and the Pac-12 network, which has one. Uh, The Big 12 has complications, may not be able to do a network, but the ACC is planning one. What do you see as the future of the conference network system? Are you paying attention very much to what's going on with the ACC? How would you assess kind of the conference network universe in this modern era where cord cutting is happening and there's lots of shifts occurring, disruptions even, in the way that people are consuming their sports? Our main focus is on ourselves, and we'll have a a biased view. I think we have the best of the conference networks. I think the the partnership and the work with ESPN has helped leverage that. They're they're very good at distribution, even in these changing times. The production quality quality has set a standard. And then, you know, I left the College World Series not with the result we wanted, but we have a desk there, we have cameras there, we have talent there representing our network. And, And that's unique. I don't want any of that uniqueness to go away. I don't care who starts a network. I want us to stand alone based on the special nature, special reality of the Southeastern Conference. The good news for us is, yep, it's changing. Uh, Everybody's impacted by the changes uh, around traditional cable TV subscribers. Uh, We're about to launch in the New York City metropolitan area on Altice. That means we're on every of the major cable satellite telco providers. That's significant for us because not everybody shares that experience. We are also on every one of these new providers, Sling, Hulu TV, YouTube TV, uh, DirecTV Now. I'm sure I'm leaving some out. There are another five, six, seven, eight. We're on every one of those, and we're the only college conference network to have that distinction. In fact, I think even among the sports-specific conferences, we're either one or two in having that opportunity. And then internationally, we're actually distributed in 130 countries. Now, that's not a huge impact yet, but as you think about recruiting, we've got an offensive lineman from Denmark whose family can access the SEC network um, in Denmark. I think it's Svenborg, Denmark, as I remember the village. And, uh, you know, I've traveled to Ireland and watched uh, the Paul Feinbaum show just to figure out what's going on and have a connection back home. So I think that's representative that, as I said in my, my... my remarks, we understand our value in the media marketplace. And that's played out any number of times that I can talk about. But that distribution is representative of our power and our value. We want to maximize that, not be somehow uh, discussing equality among others in that. We've got SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey on, and he's uh, SEC Commissioner, obviously, breaking down the SEC media days. Um, when you look at, uh, at, the, at how rapid things are changing in technology, what keeps you up at night as a commissioner? Oh, any number of things, quite honestly. Yeah. And some of it just base blocking and tackling. Um, and then how do you think about – let's just go back to this media conversation. I, I last year spent uh, touring around visiting with media leaders in, in every capacity, be they traditional uh, kind of cable and TV folks, 
cable distributors, those in the CEO roles, and others in some of this new uh, innovative companies. The Facebooks, the in Apples the, in, of the world. Yeah, that will be in media. Yeah, every, every one. And, you know, the, the theme was you guys have standing. You have, you have presence, to my earlier comments. We know who you are. That's a good message. And then it's, hey, we're not there yet with some of the new companies, but here's what we see. And almost everybody says, we can see to 2020. Yeah. But we don't see beyond 2020 right now. And so this notion of what's your 10-year plan, what's your 5-year plan is kind of out the window. It is about adaptation. So I think about adaptation. How do we have the right relationships with people who understand what's happening in the industry? Because I have uh, a million things on my table. I have staff dedicated to roles. But there are people living and breathing media every day that are, are... the ones that have their pulse. And we had a a consultant, Chuck Gerber, who helped us through really the old model and did great work for the SEC. And and we lost him, unfortunately, after a battle with cancer. We're thinking about, you know, who's next to help us fill that type of role, who understands both traditional TV, cable TV, and this emerging media. And how do we maintain presence in all of those? The next thing you'll have to sell, which I would say is a crown jewel of the sports universe, and it's still several years away, is the SEC game of the week as well as the SEC title game. Right now, the reports are you guys get around $55 million. That's probably a package that I think is potentially worth on the market $250 million, depending. You know, it's hard to know exactly. How excited are you about figuring out the opportunities for that package? For people out there who don't realize the SEC game of the week, CBS gets the first pick every week as well as the SEC title game. That's become a real primo package in the world of sports. Yeah, we've had a, a long-standing relationship with CBS that's presented us on a, a broadcast network nationally. I think has been an important part of our rise from a regional conference to a national uh, entity. Uh, without divulging that which I can't divulge, you know, we have a great opportunity out there in the future uh, regarding how we present our, our first-level games. And, and uh, that's part of the preparation to your earlier question about with whom do we work in, in that process to understand the opportunities, to understand what, our, what the media will look like in, in the next round of negotiations. You saw a colleague conference in the Big Ten you know, reposition themselves with a new TV deal. Um, and it may be with our, our current provider. It may, you know, who knows where we'll go because, as I said, you can't see out there too far, but it's an important part of what's available for us. Big news. What do you think about Kawhi to the, uh, to the Raptors? Uh, I, I want to understand the tax implications because <laughs> yeah. there's no state income tax in Texas, and, uh, and I think there is a provincial tax and probably a, a, a national tax in Canada. I, I, I wonder what the, the net of that is. And I know you're a baseball guy too, so I want to let you out on this because we're going to talk about this quite a bit. Baseball, Major League Baseball expanding, and you played college baseball. When you hear uh, the cities that were named by the commissioner of Major League Baseball, Portland, Oregon, Las Vegas, Charlotte, North Carolina, Nashville, hmm. where do you think that he's saying there might add two different teams? Like when you hear those cities, would that be something as a baseball fan that would intrigue you to see them expanding to 32? Yeah, you want the game to be quality. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm a Yankees fan from my New York heritage, and I've met Rob Manfred, and he's an upstate New York guy just like I am and, and clearly bright. So he has intent there if he's announcing he it publicly. All, all four of them. Pretty the crazy. other thing that Rob's done that I think is important for us is talked about the value of college baseball, and he did that in an interview during the College World Series. And, and I'm really intrigued about working with 
with him and his office to see how we can uh, strengthen college baseball in the future. And I think he understands the value of college baseball. Yeah, SEC's been dominant there. I know you got a busy yep. schedule. Thanks so much for hanging with us. Thanks, Clay. That's SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey. You can follow him, by the way, on Twitter, at Greg uh, Sankey. Of course, uh, thanks to him for swinging by. We are live in Atlanta, uh, and there is major news breaking. You just heard him breaking down SEC Commissioner. Uh, the details there on Kawhi Leonard um, to, uh, to to see like exactly what was going to happen. The news, I would say, of Kawhi Leonard potentially going to Toronto was led by the offshore gambling sites, which made this a reality long before it actually became a reality. If you're just waking up, particularly on the West Coast, uh, there has just been posted an official story, uh, and the headline is, Raptors agree to deal... Uh, Spurs Kawhi Leonard for DeMar Rosen. And uh, this is from Adrian Wojnarowski. This was just posted. The Toronto Raptors have agreed to a deal to acquire all-NBA forward Kawhi Leonard in a larger trade package that includes all-star forward DeMar DeRozan, league sources told uh, Woj. Uh, More players on both sides included, but only DeRozan has been informed so far. A trade call with the league office to finalize the trade is set for Wednesday. Uh, Toronto and San Antonio talking about the trade for two weeks. And that was about when the news started to break on the offshore sites. Um, DeMar DeRozan did not want this to happen. Kawhi Leonard did not want this to happen. In fact, DeMar DeRozan has taken to Instagram and posted, be told one thing and the outcome another. Can't trust them. Ain't no loyalty in this game. Sell you out quick for a little bit of nothing. Soon you'll understand. Don't disturb. Uh, again, this is a major gamble now from the Toronto Raptors where they are going to try and convince Kawhi Leonard to do what Paul George did and re-up and decide to stay with uh, the Toronto Raptors and re-up for a five-year, nearly $200 million contract that he can sign. Or will the Lakers, Magic Johnson, LeBron James, will they be able to persuade Kawhi Leonard to do what Paul George did not which is stick to his guns here and decide to make the move. I mean, again, this is, to me, the Toronto Raptors really rolling the dice and trying to make a play because they could be left with nothing other than one year of Kawhi Leonard, a rental, which is what everybody said they thought was going to happen in Oklahoma City. Now, this is incredibly early reaction, but that is going to be the story, right? For the next year, the question is going to be, where is Kawhi Leonard going to go And that will be the drama that kind of surrounds everything in the NBA. From a structural perspective, this is at least a star player in the Western Conference. And I know he's being traded for DeMar DeRozan, but I think most of you would say Kawhi Leonard is the better player when healthy. Being sent to the Eastern Conference, right now the Boston Celtics are the favorite in the Eastern Conference. Philadelphia 76ers are in the two spot. I think Toronto Raptors probably will slide into the three spot. How will this all work out with Kyle Lowry, who had seemed to develop Really good chemistry with DeMar DeRozan. This is the fallout, by the way, of the collapse of the Raptors in the second round of the NBA playoffs. Their coach was fired. They were favored, if you remember, to beat the Cleveland Cavaliers. Instead, they lost a close game one. They lost a close game three. They got blown out in game two and game four. And the Raptors basically have made the decision. DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry are not a caliber of a duo that can lead us to a championship. And so this is... The Toronto Raptors taking a big risk, a big swing, and trying to put together a new team for at least one year, but also building forward in the years ahead to see whether or not they might be able to put together a championship-caliber team. So, 
all of this, I think, is is pretty fascinating in general um, to try to unpack. Uh, we have had a loaded show, by the way. I would encourage you guys to go download the podcast. So many discussions from uh, Greg Sankey, who you just heard, the commissioner of the SEC. And I will say, he kind of hinted around it. The SEC game of the week is a major sports property to pay attention to. Right now it's on CBS. I can tell you that the SEC has been meeting with a lot of different big-time tech companies, whether it's Apple, whether it's Facebook, whether it is uh, Google in general, to try to talk about whether the next generation of their game might be available somewhere other than traditional broadcast television. Obviously, CBS may end up getting acquired. All of that is at play. Tomorrow, I'm telling you right now, we're going to spend a decent amount of time talking about this. I thought we were going to today until I woke up and saw the Kawhi Leonard news breaking. But how big of a deal is it, I think, for Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred last night during the Major League Baseball All-Star Game to say, and I quote, we have a real list of cities that I think are not only interested in having baseball but are viable in terms of baseball. Places like Portland, Las Vegas, Charlotte, and Nashville in the United States, certainly Montreal, maybe Vancouver in Canada. We think there's places in Mexico we could go over the long haul. Major League Baseball now planning to add potentially two teams and expand. But the Kawhi Leonard to the Raptors news is number one right now. We are breaking it down for many of you waking up on the West Coast. I know in the L.A. area where everything has been all about L.A. Braun, I mean, the question that I think a lot of Lakers fans have this morning, and I'm sure will be discussed all day in the greater Los Angeles area, is how does this impact the opportunity for, the, uh, for in general, uh, the opportunity to try and win a championship for LeBron James in L.A.? Is this a sign further of what I said uh, earlier this week when I saw LeBron go out to dinner with Leonardo DiCaprio and Al Pacino? We talked about this with Petros Papadakis yesterday. To me... It further solidified this idea that LeBron is not necessarily chasing a championship so much in L.A. as he is preparing for his post-basketball life. Well, if Kawhi Leonard is not a guarantee to the Lakers, and I think the Lakers made the right decision here when they didn't give up all of their good young talent, right? They had the opportunity to, uh, to, to, to do whatever they had to to get Kawhi Leonard. And they said, wait a minute, if Kawhi says he's going to come here, why would we give up assets to get him a year in advance when we still think we wouldn't have an opportunity to win a championship? Well, the Raptors have taken that risk. They had DeMar DeRozan under contract for three more years. They saw Kawhi Leonard. They made the aggressive play. And now the question will be for an entire year, to be honest, is Kawhi Leonard in any way going to stay in Toronto? And if Paul George had left and gone to L.A., then I think the expectation would be, oh, there's no way this guy is going to re-up. There's no way he's going to sign and remain in Toronto. But when you look at what just happened with Paul George, I think it's a legitimate question. The Raptors are putting all their chips in the center of the table, and they are saying we are going to persuade Kawhi Leonard to stay here in Toronto with us, to stay in the Eastern Conference. Maybe they can sell him on the idea that it's easier to win the Eastern Conference than it is the Western Conference. Maybe they can sell him on the idea that He'll be a little bit under the radar in Toronto. Remember, the crazy thing about Kawhi, to me, and joining the Lakers has been LeBron brings with him an unbelievable amount of attention. Everybody circles and focuses on LeBron James. Kawhi Leonard has been an enigma. He has been a guy that doesn't want a lot of media attention. Maybe the only place in the NBA that gets less attention than the San Antonio Spurs, Toronto. So if you are selling him as a Raptor management, as Raptor ownership, what you could sell him on is, hey, you can continue to be a great basketball player, but you'll get your space to have a real life. 
Has Kawhi Leonard really considered what his life would be like when he's under the microscope with LeBron James? That's probably the pitch I'm going to go after aggressively. Now, if I'm the Lakers, I'm sitting around saying, Kawhi, dude, we didn't trade for you. We love you because we wanted this good young talent around you. Come to L.A. We can win a championship. Just play for a year in Toronto, and then we got you. $100 million. Come to L.A. That's going to be an incredible story. Again, major breaking news, Kawhi Leonard to the uh, Toronto Raptors and DeMar DeRozan, among other players, being shipped to the San Antonio Spurs. Follow Fox Sports Radio all day for the continued fallout of this. I appreciate all of you joining us here on Fox Sports Radio. My name is Clay Travis, live from Atlanta. This has been Outkick, the coverage. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. we got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You already talked about that. But there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes. Cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. Hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini-games like Digging for Treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.